Okay, hey, how's, how's everybody doing? Welcome to uh, Know Your Gear QA Live 226. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, and um, I had a good weekend. It was nice. <laughs> it was kind of funny just now starting. I was looking at the the, the, uh, the monitor, but I was looking at the uh, the wrong one because it's the one that's on a delay. So I was like, Looking at, <laughs> it just wasn't lining up, so threw me off, I should say. Uh, hope everyone is, ha- like I said, ready for some guitar stuff. We'll talk about some guitars for sure. And uh, what else? Do I got anything? In- I don't think I have any announcements or anything crazy to talk about. We definitely have some questions and stuff and some comments. And uh, and as always, when we start the show, if you're new, uh, please just put a question mark at the beginning if it's directed towards me. That way I can see it. If you want to super chat, you can super chat. I try to get to all the super chats every episode. Uh, and uh, if you're listening to it on a podcast, just sit back and enjoy. And if you're watching the rebroadcast uh, and you want to look at particular subjects, I timestamp the subjects that we talk about. So, and now we have pod clips, which are uh, clips of the show. I uh, I like the pod clips. Uh, I can't, I think they did pretty good. <laughs> I can't say they did great. can't say they did bad, but they did really good. And uh, overall, I, I think it went well, over well, so we'll keep it up. Um, my guess is that for a while you're going to be seeing a lot of pod clips uh, get filtered in throughout the week because I'm going through back catalogs right now to pull all the pod clips forward. And then eventually we'll be all caught up. So there'll be like one or maybe two pod clips a week. Right now, I think I'm trying to do two or three a week to add on to the normal uh, disbursement of videos. <laughs> so, um, as always, I come and uh, grab all the early uh, early risers. I guess that's what we'll call them, right? The early birds. Early birds. Uh, the people who came to the show before the show went live uh, to uh, ask a question or make a comment. And uh, so the first one was Edgar. Edgar says, Phil, looking to add a Gibson Les Paul with P90s to my collection. Looking at a Gibson... Les Paul 60s tribute. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, there are some coming out of the demo shop. So he's talking about the demo shop. Uh, if you don't know, uh, I'm sure most of you know this, but uh, if you don't know, Gibson has a demo shop on Reverb. So does ESP and Music Man. So, you know, there's a few others popping up left and right. So you can check those out. If you want to find them on Reverb, uh, there's a ton of ways, but a really easy way if you're new to this is just go to your search on your internet, Google, whatever, and under the search, type in like Gibson Reverb Shop or Music Man Reverb Shop, and it'll pull up, not Reverb, don't go to the Reverb because it'll pull up Reverb, but it'll pull up their actual shop and click on it and it'll take you into Reverb. And once you're there, you can you can save it and store it, or you can look at it through Reverb as well, but... Either way, it gets you there. So uh, back to Edgar, who's looking at a a uh, Les Paul 60s tribute from the demo shop that won't be there because right now somebody's looking at it right now. <laughs> he says do I, he wants to know if I think it's a good option. I had the uh, the the 50s tribute um, P90 that I bought from Sam Ash when I did the what guitar would I buy for 500 bucks? So obviously, I I think that's a great guitar. Um, I bought I bought that guitar for 400 bucks and I think I sold it for eight. No, maybe it was seven. I remember it was going for like nine hundred to a thousand, because I it was about two years after I bought it, they'd gone up that much. They had doubled. When I bought it, I always say this over and over again. When I bought it in that video, I paid four. The going price for that guitar was about five. So a hundred bucks off was a score on the deal. They had it for four. That was a little cheaper. You could probably find one for four fifty, but most of the time they're going for about five. Then. Um, 
So 400 was a score, but it doubled. So like two years later when I was like, ah, you know, I got a couple less Pauls. This one's great, but I'm going to double my money and call it a day. <laughs> so I, 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 cause I did it for the video. Like I said, a lot of times when I'm buying stuff for the videos, once it serves its purpose, once I've made the content, you know, everybody seems like they enjoyed it. We went on, we go on or, you know, go on to the next thing. I don't really need to keep it around. So, but I really did like that guitar. In fact, um, I, I would have liked it probably more if it was a 60s tribute. For, even though I like 50s and 60s for a different reason. But for that guitar, for some reason, 60s tribute. Um, also, I should point out, that also led me... Oh, it's in frame right now. Uh, I have an SG with P90s. And that's kind of what I was going for. When I bought that, I, I didn't want a Les Paul with P90s. They're great, but I didn't want one. I wanted an SG with P90s. Um, and the main reason was uh, my friend Matt, who's a, my guitar teacher, uh, he bought one a P90 SG. This is years ago. And I picked up, played it one day. He had it laying around. I picked it up and played it. I just fell in love with it. So, uh, so maybe five years later, I came across another one and now I have one. Um, Daniel's uh, question or comment is, Hey Phil, what are your thoughts on master volume amps? I prefer them (laughs) over the non master volume amps. Uh, do you have any higher wattage amps with master volumes that you like for home use? Um, well, the answer is going to be yes, because almost every amp I have, I only have, I'm trying to think, I'm looking. <laughs> um, technically, technically, I think the only three, three, I'm looking, I'm counting all the amps. One, two, three. So I have a, uh, a, a Fender 5E3 circuit uh, amp, tweed amp, that doesn't technically have a master volume. Um so that one kind of, um, I have a Marshall, uh, 2061, which is like a 20 watt plexi head, uh, that has no master volume. You have to crank the thing. And then, uh, I have a car, uh, Mercury, um, 16 and it kind of has a master volume. It's kind of an odd duck amp. So I, I, I would put it in that kind of category. And then I have a 1987 X plexi, uh, that doesn't have a master volume. And that's the loudest of all those by far, because it's 50 watts. It's unbearably, psychotically stupid loud. Um, and uh, that's it. And to so your question was, let's come back to the question. We're <laughs> just rattling off amps. Your question was, um, what are my thoughts on non-master volume? Or no, he wanted to know about master volume amps. That's what's confusing me about this. So he says, what are my thoughts on the master volume amps? Do you have any high wattage amps with the master volume? So that clears up that I only have a couple that don't have a master volume. And and uh, so almost all my amps have most master volumes. I have a bunch of amps that are 50 watts. I don't think I have, I'm looking right now, I don't think I have a single amp that's over uh, 50 watts. I have no need for that. So uh, I have a couple 50 watts. Mostly they're 30s and 25s. Um, they all work fine. Like I said, the only amp that I you know, doesn't, that's loud that I play with. That's doesn't have master volume is that 2061 Marshall 20 watt. And, um, the plexi is not going to stay. It's, I've kind of filtered that out. If you guys watch the, the, uh, the pedal pal video, I've kind of, uh, you know, alluded that I got rid of my JC 100 for their pedal pal 800. I got rid of the silver Jubilee basically because they're night train. And I'm pretty much thinking about ditching the plexi to keep their plexi. I'll keep the 2061 though, if you're not familiar. They don't make them anymore, but it's a, like I said, the best way to think of it is like a 20 watt plexi style amp. Um, but to answer your question, uh, you know, 
yeah, I have a lot of uh, hotter. Well, if you consider 50 watts higher wattage, I have a higher wattage master volume amps. The only thing is, is my rig is uh, really set up for YouTube. Uh, so in other words, like I have a, a strange rig and I th- I keep thinking about maybe doing a video about it. Because I know the question, I know I'm getting sidetracked, but then the question I get a lot is like, when you guys see my amp rack, you know, my rack of amps, you know, is it all set up to where I can switch and plug and play? I, I don't have it set up that way. I don't, I don't want it set up that way. I, I do that on purpose. In fact, so, you know, some of you guys, some of, some of the viewers out here have been so kind. They, they just reached out and they're like, I have an amp switcher. You want it? And, you know, and, um, and, uh. Uh, so, I mean, I just don't, I don't want to, that's not how I use that rack, uh, by any means the way I run my rig. Uh, and again, I kind of hate saying it cause I think it might sound confusing. So I essentially run it. I pick an amp that I'm into <laughs> at that time. I'll, I'll definitely, if you guys are interested, I'll do a video, but it's, I pick an amp that I'm into. And then what happens is I have it, it goes into a, a Rivera rock crusher, Rivera rock crusher. Uh, and that, and then out of that, it depends on my mood. It can go into the aux or it can go into the cab M by two notes, but either way it, it has a line to simulation. And so this is why I said it gets a little tricky. So it goes out of the, the, the amp into the rock crusher. There's a reason why it does that. The rock crusher then divides it up into a cabinet. I have a 212 cabinet and then I have another line out of the rock crusher that will go into either the aux cause this is what I use or the two notes, um, uh, cab M, which simulates, uh, I use those both for the same reason, depending on what I'm using. They simulate the room and all the effects. And then that goes into an FRFR cabinet. Um, and the reason I do that is cause, um, I, and I know again, that's why I said a lot of you're going to say it's confusing cause I'm mentioning two kind of power attenuators, but the reason is, is cause it's designed so that every, whatever amp I'm in the mood to play, I can play at loud volumes, quiet volumes, or literally I can flip flip a switch so to speak and the amp just goes right through the frfr which is really really quiet because i'm running it you know it's a solid state power amp maybe it's digital but either way it's a it's a you know it's not tube sounds convoluted um but i've been on that rig for so long now and it works so good um that it's what i use um and uh and then in the bedroom i just use a small amp uh you know i have a i pick an amp and i have in rotation a smaller tube amp or a solid state amp, depending on my mood, and I just use that in there. Um, so that's, I don't even know if I hit that question. I got so down that path. Um, anyways, next one is from Nick who says, Phil, I just found a super nice uh, Gen 1 PV Valve King 212 for $220 and uh, this week. Any thoughts on the first gen? I'm not really familiar, like the first gen and the different iterations of the Valve Kings. I've uh, I own the Valve King, but the only Valve King I personally owned was the 20 watt micro head uh, unit. You know what I mean? I, I ended up buying the Valve King. I bought the uh, 50, uh, 6505 Mini, and then I bought the Classic 20. And for me, I ended up liking the Classic 20 the best. That was the, my favorite of the three, for whatever reason. Um, but it wasn't because I disliked the other two. I just liked that one the best. So the Valve King's cool. I, I have friends that swear by the Valve King stuff. I mean, it's really cool. But I don't know anything about like the generations, what they changed. You know, is like, is that maybe that one's made in the USA and then later they go to China or something like that? I, I just don't know. So, uh, but uh, I can give you the the uh, I like the Valve King amps, so definitely worth checking out. And for two hundred twenty bucks, it's a, it's a good amp. Jeremy wants to know. Thanks for all your hard work, my Schecter Jack Fowler. 
okay, can do a magical second and fourth position, okay, with an humbucker humbucker and only a three-way switch. Sure. Okay. Uh, can you explain how this works? Uh, or is it just a miracle? Okay, so let's get into what Jeremy's, or, uh, yeah, is it Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy. What Jeremy's saying. Jeremy's saying he has a guitar. It's a Schecter, but it's got two humbuckers. And so what he's saying is that even though he's got two humbuckers and only a three-way switch, he can get the, on a Stratocaster, the two and four position. In other words, the kind of bridge and middle, middle and neck kind of positions. Okay. Um, and, um, and uh, so he wants to know if that's weird that it can do that or it's a magic or how is it done. And this is my guess. There's a ton of ways to do stuff like that. But uh, if I was going to imagine what I'm going to see underneath the hood, so to speak, on that guitar is it's wired exactly like my copper strat is wired. Um, my copper strat's not here. It's not uh, it's something's coming with the copper strat that maybe I always tell you guys I hate talking about the stuff on the podcast because then it doesn't happen. But let's just say the copper strat is somewhere and then it may come back and if it does it'll go away again <laughs> i don't know how to explain it but what's what am i trying to say what i'm trying to say is it's wired the same way so what that is most likely they're probably using a what they call a super switch it's a three-way blade switch is what i got you said three-way switch it could be a toggle too there's a they can use a uh six pin or 12 pin toggle switch um i'm just telling you what to look for on top they look the same the blade switch would look the same the toggle switch would look the same but underneath like say when you look in the cavity instead of having typical stuff you'll have a lot more tabs in other words on the switches that allow them to do different things so the way it would be wired the way mine's wired is uh in the first position of the switch you're in a humbucker when you go to the center you go to two the inner coils of the of the bridge and, and the neck. So it's two single coils and it's exactly like a strat, except for instead of the you know middle and fourth or middle and first, it's just those two inner coils. And then when you go to the third position on it, it will go back to a neck humbucker. And then on mine, I have a little switch that allows me to coil split just the neck if I just want the neck. So my copper strat is wired up so I have essentially the bridge humbucker tone, the two inner single coil tone, the neck humbucker tone, or just the neck single coil. That's how I have mine wired up. Um, my guess is that's how it's kind of wired up like that. So it's not magic. It's just wiring. If you took a picture of it, I'm sure we could figure it out even faster what it is that they're doing. Um, so that, that'd be my guess. Like I said, there's, uh, if you have multi-tab switches, like I said, sometimes referred to as super switches when they're blades, or like I said, a 12-pin or 6-pin even have a nine pin, uh, three-way switch. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. <laughs> just those, just with the, you know, how you wire it up. This one is one I grabbed. Um, I really liked it. It's Mars one. And he says, Hey, Phil, is it okay to mix different pickups from different companies? So that's a great question because I think, um, you know, a lot of us are like, of course you can, but some, sometimes you're like weirded out by that idea. To me, there's a ton of famous guitars uh, like that. Jakey Lee's Charvel is a mix and match. It's got one DiMaggio and one Seymour Duncan. Um, and, um, you know, so yeah, you can mix them. The um, uh, real common, of course, you see that in fenders a lot. You know, they'll put a humbucker or a mini humbucker in the bridge. And then, of course, you'll have the two single coils from the fender brands. So they're mixing, you know, Seymour Duncan or in DiMarzio with uh, with single coils uh, from fender. Um, you totally can. Not a problem. The only thing you have to pay attention to is the, is the polarity, you know, right? So basically, uh, 
sometimes you just it's it's simple as hell sometimes when you're in an in inner position so to speak um you'll get this phase cancellation kind of weird nasal kind of sound as like i put it and some people like that don't like that so you just have to swap wires that's a long way to tell you that you can mix and match brands all you like but sometimes because the 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 way the best way i the way i have to visualize is this think of a single coil i want you all go with me on this i want you to picture a single coil in your head pickup and in your mind, what you see is a black and a white wire coming off of it, and the black is ground and the white is hot. That's what you see. That's not what's really happening. Um, what's really happening is that's one wire. Uh, a single coil pickup is one wire, <laughs> right? In other words, it has a start point on one lug, and then we wrap it. And then when we're done wrapping it, we solder it to the other lug. And then we solder two wires off it, and we say... One's ground, which is really the the end, right, of the wire, right? It's basically the picture of the wire like a big U. It's it's not a it's not like I said, it's not two wires. So a pickup is just one wire. The reason that's important is is that uh, you can solder like for instance, if you put that's why it will work either way. If you guys know it, sometimes some people mess it up. I'll open up a guitar and they put the ground wire to the hot and the hot wire, you know, to the ground. Well, it'll still work. It'll just um, it'll have troubles when you're in middle positions with other pickups. It'll have a real phase, a phase sound, an out phase sound. So um, then we swap the wires. So basically, um, I'm trying to find the name again. I'm sorry. Um, oh, yeah, Mars One. Mars One. So basically, uh, that's what's great about pickups and stuff is that you wire them in. <laughs> if you're, and if they sound weird, probably flip the wires and 90% of the time you'll be fine. So... That's the only thing you have to worry about if you're mixing brands. Sometimes you have to change uh, the wires because not everyone picks the same uh, side of the wire. And that sounds weird the way I'm saying it, but you understand what I'm saying. Some people consider the end of the wire, the ground, and the beginning of the wire hot. And some companies will call the end of the wire hot and the beginning of the wire ground. Does that make sense? And so, so you, but you have to follow, you have to follow suit with that formula is basically it. Again, it's kind of sometimes it's tough on the podcast when there's no visual aids or anything. But I think you most most of you probably got that, at the very least. At least you all know that a pickup now is only one wire. <laughs> I always find every time I said that, I find every every time there's someone in the room that goes didn't didn't seem to know that. Um, let's see. Uh, next, I'm sorry. Next is uh, this is a great one. This is from Adrian who wanted to say, "Hey Phil, what's your general opinion of Supro guitars? Uh, and uh, have I owned one? I've never owned a Supro guitar. I've owned a couple Supro amps, and uh, I ended up buying three Supro amps. And I did videos of two of them, and I ended up with the uh, wrong one. I, I liked them all, but I uh, I really liked the first one the best. And so, really like Supros. I don't know why I don't own a Supro today." It's like one of those things, you know, like I said, you know, I was probably funding it, some other video or doing something with it, and then I let it go. And and uh, Supro guitars I've never owned, but I played a few. They were designed by Trev Wilkinson from Wilkinson Bridges and Pickups and stuff like that. Trev uh, not only designed those, but the design, he designed Italia guitars and, of course, um, uh, Vintage guitars and um, Fret King. Fret King. Those are all designed by Trev uh, Wilkinson. So... Um, you know, cool guitars, just never owned one. Uh, don't know why, never get on the Supro radar as a channel, um, but, you know, would totally review their stuff. I really, like I said, I, most of the Supro stuff I've ever played has been fantastic. So um, that's that's my answer for that. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe I'll reach out to them again. I don't know. I've, I think I've tried once. I don't remember. 
Um, like I said, cool guys, cool company. Just never worked with, you know, never worked with them. Um, what else? Uh, this one from R Habs. R Habs, and I'll get the super chats in a second, guys. Uh, R Habs says, "Hey Phil, many re- reverb sellers have recently not been willing to ship." And uh, what he's talking about is, you know, how you click on a tab on Reverb or you see it before you click on it and it says local pickup only. I'm seeing more and more and more of that um, is what he's saying. So he's saying he's seeing that trend. I am seeing that trend, too. And when I say trend, I mean, it's always been that way. There's always been people who put out a listing on Reverb but won't ship. But I feel like what he's saying is true. More and more by month by month, there's more of those. I come, I, I used to see them and now I stumble across one of like every fifth listing says won't ship. Um, and so the, the core, the core of his question is that, uh, he wants to know what my thoughts on that is kind of like insight. Do I have any insight on that? Um, well, I think it might be as obvious as what we kind of all know, which is shipping rates have got out of control. If you haven't noticed, (laughs) if you haven't noticed, everybody wants 120 bucks basically now to ship a guitar. And if it's an expensive guitar, we want $200 to ship a guitar. Um, I unfortunately when I do, sh- my wife does all the shipping here, so I don't see what the prices are, but I've heard her tell me that they have been going up considerably for the last year or so. We have a business account, so, you know, with with shipping, so, um, you know, even with the business account, the rates have been getting a little, little hot, and um, I would imagine that's it, and also, uh, you know, hey, let me tell you, the returns are probably high, so a lot of people are probably getting stuff and returning it. And um, people are probably getting burnt out on that, you know, so it's tough. It's, it's, I would imagine if you, if you were not cash fluid, reverb is like, is becoming a more of a financial pain in the ass proposition. You know, first, you know, first, the first thing is you got to ship the product, which still makes me nervous. I mean, I trust reverb. I have no reason to, uh, to, to not trust reverb, (laughs) you know, the company, but you know, it makes me nervous. Uh, it does. It makes me nervous when, hold on a second, let me go back. Uh, it makes me nervous when I got to ship somebody something and I still haven't been paid for it. And then after you ship it, that's when you get the little thing from reverb going, okay, cool. Now we processed your payment, but even then you don't see it for a day or two. And, and so think about this. And then, so what happens is, and then a couple days later, well, maybe say a day or two later, you get the money and then they get their product to two, two, three days after that. And then if they email you and say, Hey, I, I, you know, something's wrong. I don't want it. Uh, this, you know, this is, it's a process. So maybe people are just getting sick of it <laughs> and they want to do, that's why we thought, look, a lot of us thought Craigslist was going to be the winner in all this. They thought, you know, it's too easy. You don't have to ship stuff. You can just meet up and stuff. But, you know, there's obviously Craigslist is limited, right? It doesn't have the, the, the scope that Reverb has. It doesn't have the searchability that Reverb has. It just doesn't have all the stuff that Reverb has. Um, you know, so I don't know. But uh, back to your core, your question, which is, you know, my thoughts, my thoughts are exactly that. It's probably a hassle. They don't want to do it. So that's why they're saying local pickup. Um, years ago, I can't say when, 
like I can't say if it was five years ago, two years ago, but it was sometime I shot, I stopped, I shopped, I stopped. In other words, I used to reach out to people who say local pickup only if I wanted it. And I'd say, hey, if I pay the shipping, you know, will you take it to a UPS store and just have it packed and shipped? And almost every, always it was, the answer was yes. You know what I mean? Because you just say, hey, look, just take it to a UPS store. Because, you know, I'm aware of it at that point. I'm like, I know it's going to cost. You know what I mean? Just take it there and because I, I really want it. And usually, as you guys know, usually anybody who's paying local pickup, they usually have the price set a little lower to somebody else. So you can kind of eat some of that shipping when you want to buy it. But I kind of stopped doing that in the last few years. And the reason is, because again, like you were saying, a lot of people, a lot more people doing local, and it really seems like they just, you know, it used to be most time when they were doing it when they weren't shipping and they wanted locals because they didn't have a box. I think now it's just they just don't want to. So yeah, Michael's uh, Michael's saying returns, damages, and scams, local pickup only. Of course, uh, you know, it's been it's been a mess. I'm you know, uh, uh, like you, if you sold, I don't even sell very much on reverb isn't that funny i don't sell very much on reverb and even not selling very much i've had every every scam you can think of in just the last couple years every single one like you guys said i've had the i've had the one where they said it was damaged and then i refunded it and they sent it back and it got it back and it was in perfect condition so i was like uh, i don't okay you just uh, <laughs> and then i've got it where you know uh uh you know you you know all the scenarios i think i've had every scenario hit me with that um, or they got it and they said, hey, you know, it's got damage and they want a discount now. Whatever scenario. I usually just work with them the best I can. You know, uh, what can you do? So, um, uh, JJG says, did I ever try Panama amps? I have tried Panama amps. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure there's a video of me demoing or reviewing a, P- a Panama amp. Um, here's what I know about Panama amps, <laughs> if this helps. Uh, Panama amps was one of the very first companies to ever reach out to me on YouTube. I was a very new YouTuber. I had no idea, you know, what YouTube even was at that point. Uh, I thought it did, but it didn't. And, um, they reached out to me and I remember the shock I had when they said, we'd like you to send you all of the Panama amps. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They were like, we want to send them all to you and uh, to do videos with. And I was like, you're you're kidding. Like, I was like, great. You know, they like give them to me. They were just going to give them to me. And I was like, wow. And I I thought about it and I'm like, that's just, I don't want to do that. So what happened was I, uh, it was the owner. I'm pretty sure I was talking to the owner. Could have been the owner's wife. And I said, uh, I picked out one based on a bunch of YouTube reviews <laughs> that I thought sounded cool. And I go, yeah, send me that one. And then once I get it, if I like it, you know, I'll keep it. And if not, I'll send it back. And then you could send me another one and we can keep going until I find the one I like. Right. And, uh, they sent me that one and it sounded pretty bad. Um, I did a review, which was not a good one. (laughs) It wasn't, I didn't give it, I, I mean, I didn't pound on it and say anything. It wasn't horrible. Obviously this is an amp, you know, but, um, I didn't give it a good review, and uh, although I will say this, my uh, my buddy uh, played the amp the day after I did the review, after he watched my review, and I'll never forget this. He played it, and he said, uh, that sounds like dog shit, <laughs> and then I said, I said, no, it's not that bad, and he goes, you know, 
He goes, it sounded way better in your video than it did in real life. He goes, this thing sounds horrible. And I remember thinking, like, it was not bad because it was just not bad. But I remember, like I said, whatever I, I said in the video wasn't a good review. Here's why I say that. Whatever I did, it pissed off the Panama people because not only did they not want to talk to me ever again, uh, ever. <laughs> They've never talked to me ever again. Uh, definitely weren't sending out any more amps. They didn't ask for the other amp back. Um, the <laughs> But... Uh, Yes. And then what I remember was it was right after that. It could have been just coinkadink, so to speak. Uh, but uh, I felt like more and more YouTubers started jumping on the, hey, these aren't that great bandwagon. And then all of a sudden they went away as a, con- not, you know, they didn't go out of business, but you didn't see them on every YouTube video like you did for a while. Um, and so, you know, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me and my channel, which was uh, which is what I learned from that was one, you know, what I had in store for me, grief. But also what I learned from that was at that time, one, I didn't know people were sending free gear. So I was, I, now you guys all know, you know, when I started six years, five, six years ago, it was, you kind of saw it a couple of times. You didn't realize that the game at the level it was at then, much less now. Um, and that's why I love it when everybody's like, oh, people do it for free gear. And I'm like, free gear is like five years ago. Most people are just getting paid outright. You know what I mean? For, for the stuff. And again, it's a business. That's all business. Like I said, but the point of it is, is that, um, I remember just thinking like, how am I going to navigate this? (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it sounded so easy and that's where I'm trying to go with this. Not, I'm not going where you guys think I'm going. Um, like a corruption of the industry. Uh, None of that stuff. It was all stuff, uh, fun stuff. What happened was that was my first realization that people are going to send me stuff that I don't like or that I don't think is good. And what am I going to do? And uh, I, a lot of channels will tell you they don't review anything they don't like. I I, th- I probably have said that somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a cop-out answer. I've definitely done it. I, I mean, I, I don't remember doing it, but I'm sure I've done it, especially early on. Somebody might ask me like, hey, do you ever review this? And I'm like, oh, I don't review stuff I don't like. It's a nice way to deflect that you just don't want to get into a subject you don't want to get into. In other words, I don't want to talk about every single piece of gear. I mean, go on forever. Um, I usually just want to highlight the stuff I'm interested in or, or, you know, I think you guys are interested in. But the point of that is I do actually review stuff I, I'm not too fond of all the time. Uh, and I say exactly that, that it's okay. You know what I mean? I find what I think is interesting about it. I tell you guys what I think I don't like about it or what's not interesting about it. That's uh, And that, but the reason that, that all matters to me is that's the day, I don't want to say the day, <laughs> that's the day I had the epiphany. That's the day I realized there's a difference between a demo and a review. Everyone says a demo and review is different, but this is what's really important to me for a demo and a review. You can, a review has a demonstration in it. So obviously reviews are partially demos, but a demonstration is just you highlighting what's good about the product. That's a demonstration to me. You show the product, you play the product, if it's a musical instrument, of course, and then you tell everybody what is interesting about the product, what you like about the product, and of course, features of the product. That's a demonstration. A review always involves those things and then the counter arguments. This is what I like and this is what I don't like. This is what's interesting about it and this is what the drawbacks are. To review, a review is essentially a critique and what and what you would find useful if you were there and you couldn't touch this, you know, if you were there and you wanted to see it, touch it. So that's why I kind of tell everybody that my channel is more review-based and less demonstration-based. And what I will tell you is, is that um, I won't do, what I won't do anymore, 
which I stopped, and I can't tell you when. I used to, uh, when I did a review, I felt this need to go, if I said a nice thing, I got to say a negative thing, and then that way people will think it's unbiased and you know honest. You know what I mean? And, see, and then what I realized one day was, no, that's not being unbiased and honest. That's literally looking for something. So I don't look for things anymore that are positive or negative. I just kind of say what I'm interested in, what I like about it, what the issue is, um, and then move on my way. But that's that's kind of the way I... I look at it. You know what I mean? Um, so <laughs> that's, uh, that's a long way to tell you what I think of Panama amps. <laughs> okay. Um, what else? Uh, we need, what do we need to do? We need to hit some of these questions. Let me go. There was, I, I got to tell you, let me go here. Let me refresh this. We'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. I was just looking at my cup. It's the moderator cup. I have a moderator cup. Oh, that's right. Okay. So if you're a moderator and you have a moderator cup, uh, I have a moderator cup too, but I have one because this is the first one my wife ever did and there's a blim. <laughs> I don't know. How to, there it is. There's a blim right there in the lettering or something. So I have a the blim cup. That's the perk of working at New Year Gear. You get secondhand <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> that's, that's what... All right, that's my perks. Uh, we have Greg's question was, hey, Phil, what's your opinion on getting a good clean sound? Should the volume be controlled by the amp or more by the guitar? That's a great question. Um, I uh, Good clean sound is going to be a, you know, that's a tough one to say because everybody's going to have different, different, different definitions of what they think a good clean sound is. I'll tell you what I go for when I go for a clean sound. I like to actually not run the... A lot of people will turn the gain down on the clean channel and then run the volume high. I don't do that. I actually run the gain as high as I think I can get it because I, I find that it gives the notes a better attack and more sustain if you're pushing the amp signal a little harder or as hard as you can. And and then what I do is I almost always have my volume control on my guitar quarter turned back. Uh, it's very typical for me to run it that way immediately. Like, see, see, I hook my little pinky like that. I literally have my pinky hooked and i'm constantly doing that to the to the volume control um and uh jeff beck does that i heard and i kept a couple of artists and you know of course they got that from me (laughs) anyways uh no seriously um just something intuitively i do i like to have you know just the volume cocked back just a quarter and then i you know turn it all the way full if i need it for some reason i try not to do that in videos sometimes i've accidentally done it and stuff but most of the time not 99 percent of the chance time i don't do it in a video because uh, i know i'm demoing something for you guys um and i need you know you guys want to hear it so as accurate as possible and not with any kind of manipulation from the volume controls and stuff but that's how i do it and the volume uh for clean 
And then we have we have uh, Michael uh, Michael Nibber said nothing. He just did a huge super chat super chat for ten. He bought a keg. He didn't buy me a beer. He bought me a whole keg. I don't even know. Is can you buy a keg for fifty bucks now? It's probably not. Anyone buy a keg? You could buy a pony keg, probably fifty bucks, right? <laughs> so, anyways. Uh, Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. I thought you said I thought I saw where you said hi, and then you said he had a question. I didn't see it. I looked for it. I scanned because he did that right before uh, the show. Uh, and Michael, hold on a second. And uh, so, Michael, if you don't super chat again, obviously, but if you can, if you could put that question again, uh, I'll look for it. Whatever your question was. Other than to say hi and give me money to buy a pony cake. I appreciate that. It'll be a nice, long, long drinking day. So we have next. We have next. No, we have Greg. Wouldn't it be funny if one of the sign-ons was next? It would make a lot of sense that way. Um, We have Andy. I I was wrong. It wasn't Greg. It's Andy. Andy says, what's the story with how and why you acquired the Chrome Blue Strat, which was used in a recent video? Uh, I have one that's similar. Similar. Uh, yeah, I don't have that. Guitar. Oh, I do. Uh, yeah. So if you're looking, that's what he's calling chrome blue. It's a very shiny metallic blue Stratocaster right there behind me. If you're listening, I'm pointing at a blue Strat. That's all you need to know. Um, I don't know what video. Oh, I was using it in the in the new Bad Cat video for sure. And then also it was in my guitar collection video. And uh, so uh, if you're asking me how what's... What's the story on how and why I acquired it? Well, I acquired it uh, because it's a. Uh, it was in my store, <laughs> and somebody went to. I don't know if they were demo wanted to try that guitar to buy it, or they were trying the amp. What they did is they picked the guitar up off the wall, walked over to an amp, plugged in the amp. I think they probably forgot a pick or something. They leaned the guitar facing forward on the amp. Okay, so in other words, you know how you lean the guitar on an amp, and then they went somewhere. <laughs> they went to get a pick or something and the guitar fell over and when it fell over it hit the corner of um something was there i don't know if it was an amp or whatever it hit but whatever it hit it put two like line cuts like dents into the side of the neck and uh you know so that happens so uh what obviously we discounted it they didn't buy it <laughs> they didn't want a damaged guitar. They didn't come in the store to damage a guitar to buy a damaged guitar, right? What's that? Uh, Adam Sandler, uh, Big Daddy, or whatever, when he's denting the cans to get discount. Like, yeah. But uh, no, they didn't dent the guitar for a discount. So the guitar got discounted to cost because that's pretty much what we had to eat. No one really will pay us much more than that. Sometimes you're lucky if you can get the cost out of it when you get some guitar gets damaged in a store because you're running on a 30, 35% margin people expect to pay half of its damaged. Um, uh, so I mean, it's tough, but what ended up happening was I kept playing it and I don't remember physically getting mad about it. <laughs> I don't, but I, but it was definitely eating at me this idea that this guitar sounded and played so great that I was like, man, this sucks that we're going to have to just lose money on this thing. Right. I'm like, it's such a good guitar. And then I don't know what it was just like after, I mean, it wasn't days. It was like weeks of playing this thing. I finally said, I'm, I'm going to buy this. Why don't I just buy this? So that's how I have that guitar. And, uh, the dents aren't fixed, even though I have a video on how to get the dents out <laughs> and I teach you guys how to do it and I do it all the time. I won't fix that guitar. I don't know what it is. It's fine the way it is. 
just dents and all. And on uh, and you can feel the dents. It's not like sometimes where the dents are on a spot in the neck where you can't, you know, your hand doesn't touch it. Nope. I come across it every once in a while and it's just fine. I don't know. Just I like it the way it is. <laughs> so that's one. <laughs> and then I think I think deep down it's cause like kind of like a relic guitar. It's just this guitar I don't have to worry about. So I'll literally take it everywhere and just I lean it on things and stuff. It's kind of liberating. I think that's one when people tell me they really like relic guitars, that reason. I totally understand. There's something very liberating about not giving a crap about your guitar. So uh, there you go. <laughs> okay, what else <laughs> do we have to talk about? We have we have Matthew. What does Matthew want to talk about? Matthew wants to talk about, says, on his Made in Mexico Strat, the only original part left is the body. Okay. <laughs> he says, it's the guitar of my dreams. You gave me gas. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you for the... the uh, the accolade to me that's really cool man you know what we all know parts casters are the best they're the best um yeah it's my blue strat that i'm just talking about that i it's a basically a parts caster i mean the neck and the body is the only thing that was on that guitar originally everything after that have been replaced like i said i replaced the pickups electronics uh output jack uh pick guard um uh the uh the bridge has been replaced the tuning keys are replaced are replaced so yeah it's just an original neck and body and just something cool about that. Really cool. Um, Matthew's got another question to follow up. He says, my question is, you said once, okay, your Godan uh, plays like a Strat, sounds like a Les Paul, and it looks like a Telecaster. Could you elaborate on that and maybe uh, show us, uh, oh, uh, show it to us and play it? Um, was it a Godan or was it this GNL? I don't have a Godan. Uh, I might have talked about Godans because I always talk about them. I just don't have one. Um, I am on the market for one, and I have been looking for one, mostly because I want to review one again um, and talk about them. I really like those guitars and talking about them. But um, I think you're thinking of my GNL. I don't know, because that's what I think of. If somebody says, you know, looks like a Telecaster. Oh, you know what you could be thinking of? You're thinking of my Halo guitar. That's got to be it because it's a Gibson scale length. It's a Tele uh, cut, body cut, but it says a Strat shape and it's uh, set up like a Gibson Les Paul. It's scaled. I already said that. Um, that's a Halo. I have a video on that. So you can check that out and check out that guitar. Um, but, uh, uh, and I think I said this and I'll say it again on that, on that Halo guitar. I had that guitar made because Halo was crazy enough to make it for me. They were cool guys. Uh, I think, uh, uh, I don't know if I told the story, but I'll tell it right now because I like it. They reached out to me as a, and they said, Hey, we want you to, you know, would you review a, uh, a, um, a baritone, a halo baritone? And so I responded to them in kindness. I said, look, man, I, I really appreciate it. Cause they were very nice. They were like, Hey, we'd like to send you a baritone. You can keep it. We just want you to do a video. And I responded very uh, quickly. And I said, look, I said, love to love to do it, but I'm not a huge baritone fan. Nothing wrong with baritone fan, you know, guitars for all you guys that have baritones. I've owned a couple and they've always just collected dust for me. And, you know, it's why I don't own a 12 string. It's like, it's just because it's a guitar that, like I said, you know, when you see all these guitars, I know a lot of you are like, oh, you just look at them. I, if I don't use a guitar, it can't stay. It just, it just, you know, it makes me sad. It's like, you know, imagine having a bunch of, people have a bunch of dogs. And I'm like, if you have too many dogs and you can't pet one of them sometimes, 
probably abuse, but also not not the best. So same thing. If I can't get to a guitar and play it, then it's got to go. So baritones just don't make it very often with me because I, you know, I'll use some kind of technology to simulate that. But anyway, so I said I wasn't interested. And what's funny about Halo was they said, okay, well, is there anything, you know, you are interested in? And they sent me a list of guitars, you know, or whatever, you know, pictures of guitars. And they were all these different kind of metal looking guitars. And I was like, eh, I'm not really interested in that. You know, I said, but I, you know, I hear good things about you guys. I'm sorry. Thank you for your time. And they said, well, why don't we just build you something? And what's funny was I was like, why? Why? <laughs> Why, why build it? And they were like, I don't know. We just like, we might as well just build you something. So we dreamed up that crazy guitar. And um, I said, oh, how about this? And they said, yeah, we'll do it. And they built it. <laughs> and they don't sell it. I mean, you could get the specs and order it like a custom guitar, but it's not like one of their normal production style guitars. Nor do I think they make anything that's production wise like it. So it was kind of a weird thing to do. But cool guys, cool guitar. Uh, Joe... Joe wants to know, what does Joe want to know? Joe wants to know, hey, Phil, any tips on setting a, up a proper string height on a compound radius strat neck, nine and a half to 14, okay, which is, uh, which radius should I use to set the, up the saddles? Sure, sure. There's actually, and I tell you this for a disclaimer, if you Google it, there's actually like a, an actual mathematical way that you have to calculate it and you can do it, okay? Um, I, I, I've read it. I think I tried it once. I don't remember. Here's what it is. It used to be strat, uh, used to be compound radiuses were 12 to 14 was the average. And then Fender, I think, dabbled with nine and a half to, or, to 12. So those aren't very extreme. So to me, if you have a 12 to 14 inch radius or 12 to 16 inch radius, um, I just set it up to the flattest. So I'll go, okay, if it's 14, I set it up for 14. Um, nine and a half to 14 because it does get a little rounded towards the upper, you know, upper frets where, you know, one through five, especially a little bit more rounded, like nine and a half. Yeah. And, uh, I actually still set it up to 14. So I'll set the bridge radius to 14, but then I start adjusting it just by kind of playing it. That's the fast and easy to way to, to get away with it. Um, some players or some techs will tell you the opposite, set it up for nine and a half. Cause that's, you know, it's easier for nine and a half to play on a 14. In other words, if you radius nine and a half and play it on a 14, it works great. If you radius the bridge at 14, really flat, and where it's nine and a half, it's going to be a little tricky. Um, in my experience, that it's because here's the trick: uh, you have to understand everybody has a different way of doing the radius thing. And even though Fender is pretty consistent about theirs, nine and a half to 14 inch radius is like it's like this cone, right? Like I said, you can you can see videos on how they explain it. Or this cone, how they do it. And to me. You have to think about what percentage of the neck is even nine and a half and what percentage of the neck is 14. So like I said, set the saddles. This is what I'm going to do to keep it easy. This is what I do. Set it set it to 14 flat and then make a, make adjustments. That's it. Super easy. Shouldn't even be a problem. Okay. Grave Digger Dale. Grave Digger Dale says, haven't been able to catch a live show for a while. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Grave Digger Dale. I, I like it when I see your name because it's—I feel like it's like a wrestling thing. Grave Digger Dale in the house wants to let you know to have a good weekend. He wants you all to know have a good weekend, and me too. David says thoughts on Super V Blade Runner, okay, for Strat. Looking uh, to upgrade my American Standard trim. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I assume it's a bridge. Let me look. We will, and if I find it, I will share it with you guys. 
super, yep, it's a Super V Blade Tremolo. Tremolo Super V Blade Runner. I've never heard of this. Let me let me show. Here you go. Now you can see. I found it on uh, the old uh, eBay here for two hundred eighty-five dollars. Um. So essentially, is that a two-piece? Like the? I don't know what the hell this is. It's kind of vibes for a second, like it's. Uh, like um. Like a Vega trim, but different. Never tried it, so know anything? Don't know anything about it. Looks kind of like a, a Vega trim. I'm trying to see where the hell. Yeah, I don't know. I uh don't know. <laughs> so let's get back to his question. I don't know what the question was. The question was thoughts on the Super V. Never seen it, so all I've seen is what you you know I just showed you uh, for upgrading American Standard Tremolo. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried it, but, you know, it seems expensive. I hope it's not, like, I found some random crazy price. Uh, let me see. Oh, no, no, $250, $250. I can't, you know, obviously I can't recommend it. I've never tried it, but, man, that seems like a lot for a bridge. The Vega trims are kind of pricey. They're really nice, but they're really pricey. That's even way more pricey. <laughs> so that's a lot for a bridge, 250 So... I don't know. I think there's better options out there. Uh, when I say better, I should take that back because, again, I haven't tried it. I think there's more priced affordable options you should look at if that's something, unless this is something you're diehard about. You know, I understand that. If you're into the, you know, sometimes you get it in your craw, you got to have it. Maybe that's what it is and you just go for it. But otherwise, I would look at some other bridge options. Godo bridges are great. Uh, like I said, Vega trims are great. Um, I mean, those are the two I use the most, <laughs> to be honest with you, those two. Uh, audio acrylics says you ever get a string changed you ever get oh you ever get that string changed oh which guitar was broken string because i have many now <laughs> uh currently i have uh what what is it <laughs> one i think i have two i have two guitars with a broken string so uh, I think when uh, I think uh, audio when we talked last or we were talking on this show, uh, I think uh, I had one or maybe two. <laughs> now I have still two, but different two. So no, like I said, because I go down to go to the shop and I think, oh God, I better get on some of the stuff I got to get done. You know what I mean? It's like I said, it's hard to do your personal stuff. That's the one thing you know when you're the thing you love doing is the thing you also do to make a living. It's hard to justify not making a living. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my time costs me money and doing it for somebody else makes me money. So it's tough. Um, Todd, the tech, Todd tech says thoughts on Duesenberg guitars. I've played a bunch. There you say guitar center. thought I saw an earlier question, uh, about Duesenberg not being somebody just said earlier. And I apologize if I got it, you know, you're, I didn't remember your name and I missing some of this information, but I saw, I glanced at it and it was talking about why don't you think you see Duesenberg guitars at, at uh oh maybe that was maybe that was D'Angelico. So I uh, uh but anyways it's smaller dealers. Um Duesenberg guitars, I picked them up, I played them, they seem really good. That's it. Um I have a Gretsch and I like my Gretsch. So it's like one of those things, you know. Um 
this is where, like I said, I try to get as many guitars on the channel as possible. That way when we have these conversations, you know, not only do I have the videos, but now that I've had the experience, I can kind of share with you and stuff. Um, I've done some setups on Duesenbergs. I did two Duesenbergs setups in, and work on them in my life. And both of them for were probably in 2010 to 2012. So it was years and years ago. Um, but good stuff. I just don't know. I'm not enough. I don't know enough about them to give any kind of resource information. Uh, stupid fingers <laughs> says, Hey there, Phil, you mentioned that you use an FR FR cab. Which one? I have two head rush cabs. I have a one eight and a one twelve. Uh, and that's uh, for a reason. I have, I have them different ones. Uh, uh, and if you're looking at getting one, uh, I would probably say the one eight is probably the better way to go. Cause it's, Obviously, you know, unless you're gigging. I use the 112. Um, why do I use that? I use that it, usually because I'm doing something stupid. I think it's stupid loud. Um, but I like them. Everybody likes different ones. Some people like the Line 6 one stuff. I bought them because they were dirt cheap. And um, again, like I said, if I'm using them, it, it's usually, it's usually, uh, that's what I said, maybe one day, I, maybe, and I'm saying maybe because I have, I don't know, one, if anyone would want to watch it to do it, but two, I don't even know if I want to put the time into it talk about the rig that i use the rig that i use this rig that i was talking about has to do with youtube it's what i'm trying to do is i want to hear exactly what you're going to hear when the video is done before i even record the video does that make sense I hope that makes sense to everybody. That's what I'm up to. So the FRFR for me and all that stuff, it has to do with the fact that I'm trying to hear exactly, like studio monitors, but different. I'm trying to hear exactly what you're going to hear. Um, and that way I can help uh, figure out how to make it so that you're in the room. There's uh, the, uh, the, the mic rig that I use is pretty elaborate now too which is you guys are probably noticing in the videos. Um, a lot of people, I used to mic up the cabinet. If you notice, I don't talk about that anymore. I used to mic up the cabinet. I still do, but the cabinet's in a different room and there's a, that room is mic'd as well. So what you're hearing now in the videos, especially the most recent ones, uh, is when you're hearing the sound, you're hearing a very true sound. You're hearing an actual room, the actual amp or the guitar, or the pedal in the room. And of course, something off the speaker so it can, you know, balance out a little bit. And then I'm not in that room. So what I'm hearing is like an FFR, FRFR, uh, speaker and some other stuff going on. That's letting me know what you're going to hear. If that makes any sense. Like I said, it seems a little weird, but it seems to be working. I feel like I've, I'm, I'm getting better capture of sound. This, the way I'm doing this, uh, in the idea that I feel like, uh, you know, it's not that I'm, it's not that I, like I said, my goal is not to make stuff sound better than it is. I want you to hear exactly what it sounds like so that when you, if you decide to buy it, you don't get it and go, what the hell is that? It doesn't sound anything like that. Armando says, remind me. Okay. <laughs> Remember the time. Anyway, he says, how, how does it work to make a single coil attached to a 500K turn into a 250K without changing the pot? Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, push like remind you. So you're talking about it. Well, the, you're talking about in like the video where I did that, uh, we use a capacitor. So that's how we do it. That's how the Somni guitar is set up as well. Same, same, uh, same concept. You can use a 500 K. So you can use a 500 K potentiometer and use a capacitor and basically kick, kick it down to 250 K or down to 25 K. Now this is where it gets a little tricky. 
where I, when I've I talked about in the past, I've never really gone into it this deep, but you understand that the reason why it's so easy, besides the fact that it's just easy as putting something in the line of, the, of, of that circuit, is that most potentiometers aren't what they say anyways. Uh, very rarely, well, I don't think I've ever really played a 500K potentiometer. So, you know, not, not really. Um, they're usually about 448. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, and then 250 K sometimes they're 220 or 180 K. It depends on the, on the pots. This work is a little tricky. So, you know, um, I thought maybe, maybe this will be, you know, you guys can always let me know when we talk about stuff like this, if it ends up being like, sometimes these conversations end up being videos, um, not testing the pots to see how they are. Um, What's interesting to me is sometimes the alpha pots, which are basically cheaper potentiometers, cheaper price potentiometers, they they get the closest to being the most accurate, <laughs> right? So they're closer to being the 500K and 250K that we're, we're saying. Um, where some of the nicer ones, uh, they're a little even further off from those numbers. But um, I've said this many times, potentiometers to me are about two factors when it comes to quality one it's about how they feel and two it's about how long they last a lot of people talk about their sound quality but sound quality is a tough thing because everything in the guitar is essentially deductive it's it's you know it's it's taking away from something so it's really you know it's really hard to argue because even if it is taking away a lot of something that sometimes sounds good too uh uh oh quicksilver says capacitor don't you mean resistor uh, 470k is what I use on a 500k pot to see 250. Yeah, resistor. I apologize. That's why I should not pay attention to what I'm reading and talk at the same time. Yes, and there's a couple ways to different to do it. I thought I had a video on that. I would have swore I had a video explaining that. See, where it gets tricky is I've told you I have a lot of videos now, but also I have a lot of videos that it just haven't been released. Like I either filmed them and I just didn't finish editing them, or you know. Um, sometimes I'll make a bunch of videos and then I put one out and it's not performing very well. And then I go, well, why put in the time to do the rest? <laughs> That's why I try to finish a bunch of them now. So that if one doesn't do well, I just put out the rest anyways. Um, but a lot of times that's what happens. I go, man, no one really cared about that video. <laughs> so, and so you guys know when I say that, I just want to be clear. I keep saying this. It's not views I'm paying attention to. It's watch time. I could care less. If you guys, you know, if I get lower views that, you know, it happens, that's YouTube. That's part of the deal. But uh, lower views usually means lower watch time as well. In other words, people aren't interested in it, so not sharing it. So the algorithm is not pushing it. So no one, you know, no one else are seeing it. Um, but that being said, that's, that's what it is. If you guys aren't interested in it, I'm like, why make more of it? So, but I maybe I'll put all those videos together and put them on the second channel. That's what we've been talking about doing is finishing up editing a bunch of them. Anything I don't find that interesting, put on this, the Film Ignite 2 channel. Um, okay, next next question. What are we doing? Next question? We're doing the next question. It's from Ian who says, Happy Friday. Can you daisy chain multiple boost pedals to increase a 20 watt for a practice situation? Oh man, no, <laughs> just sounds like it's going to be horrible. Uh, no, if you boost into boost into boost, it's just going to get flubbier and crappier and saturated. And, and it might have a, it might have a sweet spot where at some point it's real chaotic and it just sounds great and this nasty gnarliness of it. But for the most part, you're just going to have a mess. So no, um, here's my 
suggestion for you. If you have a 20 watt amp in a practice situation, you're having a trouble with it's not being loud enough. It's not loud enough for you. Get it off on the ground. Get it onto a chair. Get it. Get it. You know. Get it to where it could be as much in the face of everybody who needs it. Uh, that's gonna do you better than anything else. Um, get you. You got to use it more like a monitor and point it at whatever it is you want. You know to hear it. That would probably do better than a well, not only a boost pedal but a bunch of boost pedals. That think about that. Um, or if it's a head combo situation, maybe using a bigger cabinet, physical size, more speakers, you'll get more volume, physical volume, you know, not decibels, but you'll spread volume, spread more sound. So that's what I would suggest you do. Um, Pablo says, I got a Jimmy Page wiring done on my Epiphoneless Paul. Now it won't stop buzzing. Humbucker feedback. Do you think it's a grounding issue or a shielding issue? Is this common? Um, the Jimmy Page wiring is so popular. Um, it's funny. You think that's something I'd commit to memory, but uh, every time I do it, I, I do it the same way probably you guys are doing. I pull up a, a schematic online and I kind of look at it and go, oh yeah, I remember a little bit of that. And uh, so there's a lot going on with four push pulls and all that stuff going on. So there could be all kinds of stuff that's causing that buzzing. My guess is yes, you have a grounding issue somewhere or something is not connected correctly. Something's kind of missing. So you know, you know how to do this. If you wired that up, look, that's not a, that's not a first time wiring kit. Right. Um, and if you guys want those kind of kits and don't, don't want to wire them 920 D customs, that company, they make them pre-wired, I think. And they're pretty good. So just a suggestion for those of you that want something like that, but don't want to kind of wire it up yourself. Um, you will pay the price though, man. It's wiring stuff. Like all those pre-wired kits, you will save a crap ton if you just do it yourself. But like I always say, you can get your wa- you can wash your car for free. The reason you take it to a wash sometimes because you don't want to do it. Same thing, you know. It may cost more, but maybe you don't want to do it. But back to uh, Pablo's problem, you definitely need to go through that thing and figure out what it is. I'm going to say if you're getting buzzing issues, it's not only uh, something grounded incorrectly or not grounded at all. Um, it doesn't sound like there's something being inverted, you know, right? Some signal crossed, but. <sighs> trying to think what else is nasty in that kit i mean mostly it's going to be all that grounding also like i said you have to make sure because it doesn't take much for that stuff to get you know with those push pulls for something to not be connected to cause a problem so you got to go just go through the circuit and just make sure you wired it correctly so uh litvay says what what strat size bridge humbucker you recommend for someone who hates humbuckers (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a great question hey what do you suggest to someone who hates what you want to suggest no i'm just kidding it says you suggested thornbuckers which was a was it was convincing but didn't fit uh need it for a sustainer um i need a high output so you're saying right you have a you can't fit a full-size humbucker in the strat and you need a mini humbucker full-size strat i have a gazillion of them uh litvay um and uh, trying them over the years, I have learned for me, the DiMarzio ones are my favorites by far. Um, you know, everybody's different, uh, but let me tell you, and again, this is just, I like I said, I like to admit my faults as much as anything else. Um, I used to love those uh, DiMarzio rail style humbuckers, the chopper, the fast track. I, I did. I liked them. To me, they sound like P90s. They got that P90 punch, very big, full sounding. They don't sound exactly like a humbucker, but they got the, you know, they got some, some fullness to them. 
but I hated the way they looked. I hated the dual blade look. It looked so dated. And for some reason, I just stopped using them and I went to Seymour Duncan and I started shoving Seymour Duncans in there because I thought they looked cooler because they had two little rows of slugs or screws, whatever. And over the years, forcing myself down that road, I realized that's just, I got to go back to the DiMarzio ones. There are certain things I like from DiMarzio, certain things I like Seymour Duncan, but the the mini humbuckers from DiMarzio are my favorites. They're my favorite mini humbuckers to the point where they're the only ones I use now. So there you go. Matthew Perkins says, Phil, thanks for all you do. Uh, my dad died recently and things, whoops, and things like the podcast help life feel normal and more valuable than I can put words into. I appreciate you first giving me a thank you. And I'm really here, uh, hard, sorry, really sorry to hear that. Kind of catch you off guard, you know what I mean? That, yeah, I've lost both my parents, so I can totally relate to the situation. Um, both my parents kind of, in my opinion, died younger. Uh, and, uh, it's uh it's tough man you know i've un- unfortunately uh i've lost a lot of people in my life uh close family friends um to the way too many i think than somebody should actually have to lose i've lost a lot just consistently almost year after year uh for a long time for many years and uh it doesn't get easier and the only thing i can tell you is the, the part you already know is the is the piss you're doing it man you find things to do you continue, you honor their memories, and you continue. So um, so I'm glad to hear my podcast helps you. I appreciate that. Believe it or not, man, that stuff, even though it's like kind of, you know, it's horrible to hear these kind of stories, um, what's nice is is this is the kind of reminder like, okay, yeah, you know, do I want to do it this Friday? Yes, let's do it this Friday because of these comments and uh, centers me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Grumpy Mike Guitar will be next. He says, for the tone jar and why not, do you still have two Reverend guitars? Cheers. No, I had had the USA one. I really liked it. That was my favorite of the two, but had to sell it. Um, that video, I'm going to tell you. Hold on a second. Let's pull it up. Why? I don't know why. Today is just one of those days I'm going to do stuff like this. Um, where's the Reverend? Oh, what? No, that can't be right. Let me look. Ah. So the Reverend Guitar video. (laughs) So I have, uh, obviously, I told you guys, what we do is I take Patreon funds and uh, and I have money invested and I take that money and I buy gear and then I review it on the channel and um, and then I sell the gear and I churn the money back into like whatever I get for the gear I put it back in that pot and then I buy the next thing and I kind of keep this money kind of churning kind of thing and it's a little tricky because like I said sometimes you know like right now I invested in some weird products I bought some stuff that uh, can't release the videos because as you guys know the last couple of videos and a lot of channels are having this problem we're talking about products and you're like, I'm looking everywhere and they're sold out. So my point to this is the Reverend USA had to go. And, uh, even after selling it and after the video, just for fun, uh, just to give you a reference, I don't know if you guys find this interesting. Uh, that video made $224 and 89 cents. That's what I made on the video itself. Profit wise. Uh, but when I say that, I means after I, I paid $1,298.92 for that guitar and I sold that guitar for the same price, but after fees and stuff, I got 1070 
and then I add the 224. So I am negative $3.52. So that video that took me two days, uh, and I'm just going to, this is why I'm going to tell you guys this. That video took two full days. Uh, I wasn't uh, any fault of the guitar or anything. Just sometimes videos are tricky and some audio clipped out or something happened. But either way, took like six, six and a half hours the first day, at least six, seven hours the second day. So two full days of work, I have netted a complete negative $3.50. So yeah, I have another Reverend. I have no desire to review it because no one watched that video. <laughs> to And so uh, I'm not bitter or anything. I'm just saying it's not, it's not a priority for me is what I'm trying to say. Uh, the other one I'll get to when I get to it and I'll put it out when it goes out. Um, but yeah, like I said, remember I told you about earlier about sometimes you make some videos and it's just like, eh, you know, you know what I mean? Um, uh, that, that was a, a lot of work to do <laughs> for free. That was a free, that was free. That was two days of work. I could have, uh, I could have wound some pickups. I could have repaired some guitars. I should have caught up on some other things or I should have made some other content. So I will get to it. But like I said, sometimes that stuff gets on the back burner because, like I said, there's other stuff I know you'll you'll be interested in. You know what I mean? And I can focus on that and it'll net the channel something, you know, whether it's subscribers or, you know, more watch time or sometimes money. That's also, you know, part of the game too. But uh but yes, and um I like the both Reverend guitars. There's no question about liking the Reverend guitars, for you, so you know. Um Reverend Guitars has no interest of ever putting a guitar on this channel. So I don't know why. They just didn't <laughs> right uh and so like i said uh, when companies don't want to send stuff to the channel because that's their prerogative and that's their right and sometimes it could be as easy as they don't want even you know they don't either don't like the channel or they don't you know they don't have to do it maybe they don't have resources funds to do it um so when i'm doing it out of pocket it's a little tough <laughs> so all right a shinnery kid uh, says I got a 594 made during the transition to nitro. Is there an easy way to tell what kind of finish is on the guitar? Sure. Well, the fastest way on that guitar is I would take your thumb, uh, you know, wash your hands. It sounds like a joke, but it's important. <laughs> uh, you need clean hands. Uh, take your thumb and uh, rub the side of the neck or a part of the body. Just kind of, you know, you know, just get some friction going uh, and get it warm right? So just kind of like rub it until it's warm. Uh, and then, uh, it gets sticky. It's most likely uh, nitro. However, you should be able to know because of the serial number and stuff and the date you should have a born on date. Um, I believe Nathan told me cause they were, they were gone. I think until, oh crap, July 9th. It might've been June 9th, but here's what I know. When they came back, they were pretty much all nitro at that point is what I think he told me. So if yours, if yours is pre Let's say June of 2020, it's possible it's nitro. But if I think it's post uh, June 2020, it's pretty much nitro. Um, and I'll confirm with Nathan on that for you and stuff. If I'm, I'm wrong, or I'll put it all next week. But the other way is the rub test is the easiest way to figure out nitro. Or you could take a black light to it. It'll glow. That's easy too. It's just most people don't have a black light. Unless you live in Arizona and you need to look for scorpions. <laughs> and it's, I always love saying that because that's not a joke. <laughs> anyways uh so black light test is fast and easy otherwise uh do the re rub test for and see if it gets tacky or sticky or look on the date those are three ways to do it uh sc jr sick jr says the trim claw on my strandberg are drilled unevenly yep one screw sits higher than the other yep 
Uh, I've seen it. Every brand, you, you see it a lot. Uh, does this cause an issue in your experience? Um, it can cause an issue. Most of the time, it doesn't. Sometimes you have to look at it. It's 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 not super common to have them drilled into different points like you're talking about. It's really more common. I mean, that does happen, but more common is one of the screws is bent. That happens a lot. And then as you turn it, it's like wobbly because it's bent. Um, if it's bent, you can actually pull it out and replace it and fix that issue. Um, the the good and the bad news of this is this. If you're having no issues with the tremolo, then you're not going to have any issues and you're fine. If you're having issues with the tremolo, it could be because of that and it needs to be fixed. That's the best answer. If it's is that because it's uneven doesn't mean you're going to have a problem. But if if you have a problem, it's probably because it's uneven. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Chad Jensen says, thoughts on the VH4 diesel amp head? I've never tried it, ever. Uh, diesel is one of the few amps I've maybe only tried one or two, if that. And uh, hear good things. The ones I tried were really gainy and sounded awesome, uh, but literally just not not, um, not something I got my hands on. Um, so there you go. I, uh, I don't have any insight. <laughs> Uh, HR 21 says, love the philosophy on life and guitars. About three weeks ago, I bought a Taylor guitar, urban ash from local store. And now I'm regretting it. Okay. Uh, do I, do you think I could exchange it? I'm embarrassed to go back. Why would you be embarrassed to go back? Uh, so you bought it three weeks ago. So the, the million dollar question is, you know, you said you bought it from a local store. You don't know what their return policy is. A, A decent mom and pop style store. Okay should have a return policy of exchange minimum. In other words, you can return it up to 30 days for exchange. A lot of times, you know, look, I, I was, you know, dealer is hard. You know, I told you that when people would ask me, it's like it hard to commu- to fight Guitar Center. It was never hard to fight them on price. It was never hard to fight them on experience. Uh, it was never hard to fight them on a lot of categories, except for the one, which was the amazing easy return policies of guitar center the whole hey just take it back and you get full refund as a small business a lot of times and i'm telling you this because this is going to help you for your return logic a lot of times you have to understand that you buy this guitar and then when they got your money a small business uh will literally pay bills with it <laughs> you know what i mean and so when you come back and you're like hey i don't want it i want my money back they don't really even have it to give you you know what I mean? That's like that really honest to God truth. They, you know what I mean? They, it's tough. And when I say, you know, you're probably right now, in case any somebody says something right now in the comments, because somebody always says something silly or stupid when it comes to stuff like this. Because look, if you haven't owned a business, I don't think you should have any t- discussion about business. Uh, I, I, I hate, I love hearing everybody's theories, you know, but like I said, owning it and operating a business is a really interesting process that, so what I mean by that is, one guitar or one thing returned and you have to refund isn't hard. But once you have a policy of return, it's hard because you're going to get a certain amount of percentage. Look, there's a certain amount of percentage of returns that just happen. Um, I see it every month with just Sweetwater. I think Sweetwater's return policy returns are out of control. If you want my opinion, it looks crazy. When I watch the affiliates, they're kind con- because I have affiliates, as you know. And so sometimes I'll, you know, I'll see what you guys buy. Not, you know, I can look at the products, but I just see the totals. And, and then, you know, a week later, they deduct back out because they're returning. You know what I mean? Stuff's constantly returning. Amazon, of course, could return amount, high amount as well. But back to your problem, they per, they should have a 30-day exchange is 
minimum. So if they have a return policy where you can get your money back, get your money back. That's easy. If they don't, it's exchange. Go exchange it. Um, but you should never be embarrassed about it. Uh, look, it's a. Here's the thing. This is the litmus test, so to speak. You walk into a store, okay, and they treat you great when you gave them money. That doesn't mean they're good people or good business. <laughs> Your test. That's why I say I don't like people. Well, I don't want to say I don't like it. It's not. I don't find it interesting when people who have never owned businesses like to talk about this stuff. Your character doesn't get tested until the return, until the customer has a problem. That's when you're, as a business, your character is tested. Your business ethics are tested. Taking people's money and smiling at them is the easiest damn thing ever. That's why even con artists get that right, right? The hard part is taking care of the customer. It is hard to take care of the customer. And that's why, as customers, we should appreciate when we are taken care of, because it's, it is hard. So... What I'm saying is you should be able to walk in the store exactly the way you phrase it is perfect. Hey, I got this tailor and I'm not loving it and uh, regretting it a little bit. And now, you, ha- you know, if you know their policy, just work within their policy. If you don't know it, you need to ask them the policy. Can I exchange this for something else I can enjoy or can I get a refund? There you go. And then they take care of you. And if they don't take care of you, well, then here's the deal. Um, don't ever go back again. I know there's other things you can do. You throw a fit, right? The, the, uh, the best, the best joke I ever heard was companies like to say the word policy, like it means something. It means nothing, right? Best joke I ever heard about policies was Adam Carolla. I hate stealing a guy's joke, but Adam Carolla had a great one. He was talking about policies. He said, the problem with policies is everybody has one and they mean nothing. He said, uh, he said, uh, my wife says, um, what did she say? He says, my wife said, asked me to take out the trash. And he says, oh, I have a policy. And the policy is I don't take out the trash. And she's like, yeah, I have a call. I have a policy too. And it's called you take out the trash. <laughs> right. And he goes, so I took out the trash. Basically, what I'm saying is, is that even if their policy says no refunds or no exchanges, you understand you, you can question it. You can push on them a little bit. I, I look, it works real simple. Okay. You start with the kindness, <laughs> it ramps slowly, right? You got to get more aggressive as they're, you know, if they're not taking care of you. Again, it's really about them taking care of you. That's the opportunity. It's their opportunity to keep you as a customer in the future. So I would give them an opt- opportunity to do that. And, uh, and then if they don't do that, try to push on it a little bit. You know what I mean? Don't throw a fit. I find that it won't work. Um, what I will tell you is for this strategy, I will say this, there's a technique I use. I, I like it. I basically, uh, I've said this, well, I've said this before. I'm going to say it to you guys now. I think that you essentially have three tactics you can use when you're dealing with people on a negotiation or in a situation like this. Uh, of course you can use kindness. I think that's the most effective. Uh, you can use deception. Okay. Or you can use hostility or anger, right? We'll say anger. Be aggressive, aggressive, maybe be aggressive. So kindness, aggression, or, you know, deception, right? What I will tell you is this is why, this is why I say that these are the three things. This is the technique I've used for 20 years or longer now. You can only use the one, one of those three, you can only use the one that they're not using. So if you go somewhere and they're being aggressive, you have to be kind. You have to be nice. And if you don't feel like being nice, well, then that's what deception is. That's you pretending that you're kind and nice. You got to fake it. 
fake that you're okay with it. If they're being kind and not giving you what you want, you have to now be a little deceptive. In other words, manipulate a little bit or bit aggressive, right? You see what I'm saying? If they're if they're kind of full of crap and <laughs> trying to be deceptive, you unfortunately can only be kind or aggressive. I found this always works. You just basically read their mannerisms and then pick one of the three you think they're at and then find the other two that they're not and go with that. And then as they adjust, you adjust and, you know, like I said, that's how I deal with things. But like I said, kindness usually works first because essentially they're used to everybody. Everybody thinks aggression works first and that's why everybody who uses it gets nowhere with it because <laughs> everybody goes to it first like it's some kind of tactic i got this guitar and if you don't take it back you're gonna be sorry <laughs> okay or my favorite thing that people like to do <laughs> yeah uh my favorite thing to do uh, uh is, is that when people like to just start quoting random made-up laws that don't apply to anything <laughs> uh you know it's the law the law says you have to give me a 30-day return policy <laughs> So, and each state has different rules about that stuff, but in most cases, uh, whatever the business is doing is probably legal. Ethical? Sadly enough, I don't think ethics and laws always line up perfectly. So, there you go. Uh, okay, I, I have no idea what the hell you're saying, but I'm going to try to say it because I think I know what it means. Uh, Neil Jelks? Neil says, Phil, do you ever get proper grumpy and lose the pot? I, I love this. This is a, what I would call what? A colloquialism? Colloquialism? Basically a way someone talks. So I'm assuming that where you live, this is grumpy. And uh, so I'm imagining that what I'm thinking you're saying is what I'm saying is, do you ever get grumpy and lose the pot? Is uh, and Do you ever get pissed off and lose your S word, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, yes. I have, I have, look, I have uh, less as I get older, less and less. I get angry much less as I get older. Every day I get older, I get a little less angry, physically outward angry, but not because I'm getting older because, uh, tenured, I'm tenured. I know, I don't want to say how to get my way, but I know what works in, in, you know, I've dealt with people for a long time. <laughs> a lot of you watching this, some of you are engineers and you don't hang around people. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people literally work with people for a living. If you work with people a living, you kind of figure out what starts working, what doesn't work really, really effectively. So I found that, like I said, anger usually gets you nowhere. But I've been, I've lost my temper many, many times in public, in places, uh, all, all the time. I've lost it on customers. I've lost it on businesses. I, look, that's normal. That's a normal thing. So I've never been arrested for it, <laughs> but, but I have, yeah, yeah, of course, but I try not to go there anymore because like I said, usually the way I think of this is by, if I get to a point where I'm screaming or yelling or upset, I'm probably not getting my way. In fact, I know I'm not getting my way. Last time I got upset, I think it was like a year or so ago, right before COVID. I got upset with a restaurant who really jacked up an order really, really bad. Um, we ordered like, uh, uh, just to give you a reference, because it was really bad. We ordered, because uh, we had a bunch of people over, we ordered, um, I want to say like 20 different kinds of hot wings, right? 20 different flavors. And so, you know, everybody gets like six hot wings in a, a thing. And my wife went and picked up the food. And uh, some people got like super like 
ghost pepper hot and some people are like teriyaki and some people are like no heat because they can't have heat and some people got you know garlic so obviously all these flavors my wife went and picked it up we were gonna have it delivered but my wife didn't want to get it messed up so she went there and she talked to the girl at the counter and she's like okay is everything labeled everything good and she said yeah we get to the house we open them up nothing is labeled nothing and so i call the restaurant and the manager gets on the phone and tells me they don't label food (laughs) it's their policy i'm not making this up we don't label food that goes outside the restaurant. So it just is figure it out. (laughs) So of course I got lost. I screamed, I yelled. And at the end he did nothing. And we uh, all test sampled crazy wings. It was a random hot figure out what the hell you have night. So again, didn't get my way. Didn't get anything out of the deal. Sucks. (laughs) So I should have, I should have kept the kindness going. I bet you it would have worked. All right. Um, we need to get to another question. Another question, another subject. <laughs> Alex says that's messed up. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were like, what the hell? What's really worse, just so my down to end that, what really <laughs> worse about that was that not only were they not all labeled, we're 90, we're 90% sure. I'm just making up that number, but we're really sure that they're not even what we ordered. <laughs> Cause, cause we were all freaking out who was going to get ghost pepper ones and stuff. And none of them were ever hot. Not a single wing was hot at all. At the end of the night, when everybody was done, we're like, yeah, nothing was hot. Nothing was garlicky and nothing was like, we we're like, I don't know what they sent us. Cause it wasn't even what we ordered. So, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, what else do we got? Just seeing what you guys are talking about. Ah, Eric's here. Eric was there. <laughs> he said it was a night to remember, LOL. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I think I was, I was actually, I went, I really don't know for sure, but I don't know if I was actually mad they messed up the order. I think I was just mad that they didn't care they messed up the order. It was kind of like that, again, what I'm telling you, and this is what ties in back to your return of your Taylor, Taylor guitar. Um, it, it's, you know what I mean? You, you, even if they can't, you know, even if they go, I can't do anything for you, at least if they sound sympathetic, you're not happy about it, but at least you feel like somebody's empathizing with your situation to basically be like, yeah, that's your problem. <laughs> it kind of, you know, just sets you off. Um, we need, we tune to see says just bought a used, uh, MM cutlass music man cutlass. Uh, I'm going to say RS from guitar center. Guess what? Case and guitar look brand new. And all the case candy is there. Guitar Center used is better than new. Yes. Look, buying used a Guitar Center seems to be the best bet. Not only do they send it, tend to be on the cheaper side, a lot of the products, and they have a great return policy. So if you get something used, you don't like it, you just take it right back in the store. Uh, like we said before, sometimes they're sending you new stuff. Guitar Center, let's, let's you know, we tend to bag on Guitar Center. Let's give Guitar Center some credit tonight today. Here's something that I can say very positive about Guitar Center. They are consistent as a company. I mean, when they, when they, you know, you buy new and they send you used. And if you buy used, they can send you new. At least they're consistent, you know, the craziness. Like I said, you either get a great deal at Guitar Center or you'll get screwed. And, but the good news is if you get screwed, they, their policies are in line enough to where you can get unscrewed. Does that make sense? So that's good. Like I said, that's a good thing. But yeah, I, I, look, I highly uh, still recommend Guitar Center used. I'm still not happy with their policies and you know, and somebody asked a couple of times now if they reached out or anything, and they're not going to reach out. They don't, they probably don't even know what YouTube is. 
That sounds like a dig. It's not a dig. I, I just anyone anyone who's probably at Guitar Center that that would that's responsible for all that stuff. They not they probably don't watch this stuff. Hell, I would bet all the people who make all the policies at Guitar Center don't even play guitar. So why why would they look at a guitar channel? Uh David says have a gre- oh he has a Gretsch hollow body with a humbucker routes recommendation for upgrades of pickups. Uh you know I, look for. For Gretsch, I'm boring, man. I, I like Filtertrons, TV Jones, that stuff for sure. Um, that's the way I would go. I don't know why. I just love that. That's what I love about my Gretsch. That's what I like about Gretsches. So that's what I'd recommend. I don't know if I'd stick anything else in there. That's what I would stick in there. There you go. Uh, firmware says, considering a PRS 594 double cut, not sure if I want TCI tune pickups. Do you have an opinion? Uh well, I mean, you could take the pickups out. Think about this. You're, you're, you're looking at this the wrong way. Good and bad, okay? You buy a PRS594 and it has the, the TCI pickups, tune capacitance, inductance pickups. Um, anyways, you have those pickups and you don't like them. Pull them out. Stick in some something good in there, right? Something you like. Seth Lovers from Seymour Duncan will be good. Some, uh, some PAFs, you know, right? put Gibson pickups in them. You can stick anything in there. And uh, now you have two choices. If you, once you decide you do that and you love the guitar and you think you're going to keep the guitar forever, that's important because you got to keep the guitar forever. You're going to do this one. You could sell those pickups for crazy money. Crazy. You'll get 500 bucks. Maybe more. Don't even listen to me. I haven't looked. <laughs> Last time I looked, they were like four or 500 bucks a set because PRS won't sell them and people want them. So you could sell them for top dollar. If you don't know if you're going to keep the guitar forever, well, then you take them out and you put them in the case. And then if you ever sell the guitar, you put them back in because if you don't have them, you'll take a hit on that guitar. Um, so yeah, you don't have to stick with their pickups. Um, so that's easy. <laughs> that's the best thing about pickups, man. They're easiest thing to change. That's why That's why most inexpensive guitars, that's where you like them to skimp on because that's the thing you can any, you know, anyone can fix. You just throw in some new pickups. Um, it's a little harder to fix like when it's a rosewood fretboard and you want maple. It's hard to delaminate a fretboard and stick a new one on. That's a little bit of work. Um, you know what I mean? So difficulty-wise. Or then maybe even a nut is sometimes difficult. But definitely swapping out like tuning keys, uh, bridges for the most part, and electronics are super easy. So those are the things you can do to change the guitar. So there you go. And then uh, VJ, VJ, maybe it's Vija. Is it maybe the J silent? I don't know. VJ or Vija? I don't know. Uh, it says mid nineties, authentic Les Paul studio. <laughs> okay. Uh, thinking about paying someone to take it all down to wood and maybe a light matte finish, including neck and headstock. How much should I expect to pay for this? The problem you're going to find with that deal is, is that the people that I probably would trust to do it are going to charge you an insane amount of money to do it. In fact, I'm going to put it to you this way. So I'm very skeptical <laughs> when there's projects like that, sanding everything down and putting a satin finish on stuff. When people give you a really good quote, like a really good price, you probably don't want them to do it. There's, you know what I mean? Um, the people that are skilled at it are going to want to get paid because it's hours, it's time. It's not hard, it's just time. So um, how much did you expect to pay for this? I have no idea. You want to know my guess? 500 to to $1,000, depending where you live. That'd be my guess. 
thousand I know sounds probably high. Depends because you're saying you want a, a a light matte finish. Well, first of all, let me tell you if you're if you have a Les Paul Studio mid nineties, I don't think you should do anything to it. But but it's your guitar. But take it down to wood and put a light matte finish on it. You shouldn't need to do that. First of all, it's a nitrous says lacquer finish, and so first. That's this is why I'm saying it's a lot of work. You understand for them to shoot to paint it, they got to shoot nitro back on it, or they got to remove 100% of that nitrosilicate lacquer off that guitar, and they got to make sure it's all gone before they put anything else on it. Okay, but I would say unless you're trying to change the color, you're up to other things. I would say if you want a matte finish, you can just have someone if you don't want to do it yourself, sand the nitro down to matte finish. You can do that. Absolutely, can totally be done. Super super easy shouldn't that shouldn't cost a lot if you have it that done and you can do it yourself too just sand it down and if you're thinking about having somebody paint uh, sand it down to, to to wood and doing all this stuff again i'd do it myself anyways i'd sand it down and try to make it night or uh, satin and do that stuff and if you mess it up well then you just got them started on the project that they're going to do for you what do you got to lose if you not if you do it right then you don't have to pay anybody and if you do it and it doesn't work out the way you want you can now pay somebody it's not going to be different that would be my suggestions for that okay now i'm just looking to see what shiloh says but it's authentic i know we laugh don't we all laugh now you hear authentic i can't hear authentic and not chuckle and i find it's being used more and more when i'm on instagram it's like authentic uh, gibson and authentic definitely i think they got the marketing across because i see more and people using authentic but what's funny about it is I I can't not chuckle when I hear the word authentic. I, I, it's almost like I it's involuntary every time. Uh, Warham Five says twenty twenty PRS special still not in store. Any thoughts? Um, that was the guitar I think I wanted to get was a PRS special, and uh, I I actually I want a semi hollow PRS special. But yeah, I don't know. They're back ordered. That's the, the the reality. Is this look? The reality is. That even though we're not in the market we were this time last year, okay, the market is still hot, still selling guitars, man. You guys are still buying guitars. You're still buying pedals and amps. Um, I did that Pedal Pal video. Jesus, you guys went crazy. I, everybody's comment is like, there's no pedals. Look, that I, it was funny. I, I think I told you this. Uh, uh, Luis uh, reached out and said, hey, we're about to get some inventory on pedals. Would you, want to, would you mention it on a live show? I said, oh, I have the pedal. I love it. Why don't I do a video? I did the video. And, uh, and Luis called the next day and he's like, oh, yeah, they, they went fast. And he's and he, I think he did pre-order lineup. And I, I guess that went fast too. Um, because you guys are buying stuff. That's what it is. You're buying stuff. Uh, the Bad Cat, I was a little nervous to release that video. I talked to uh, John at Bad Cat because I was like, hey, I don't want to release this video if they can't get anything. And he's like, you know, they're like, they're catching up. They're getting on stuff. But yeah, right now, I hate to say it. This is the sad truth, man. If you guys want stuff, you got to put it on order. Or wait, or wait. Either way, you're waiting. You put it on order and wait till it comes in. Or you got to wait for this to settle, this market to settle. Um, Because remember, we have multiple things going on. Funny, funny thing, <laughs> funny thing that happened to me recently was when I did the Firefly video, so you know, and I, I, so this is very clear. I have to be very clear that what I'm telling you is true, but not particularly connected to the Firefly guitar, okay? Uh, and this is, and you'll understand why what I'm saying it that way. So in the Firefly video, I um, sanded the uh, the uh, pickup pocket and the truss rod 
uh, route. And I sanded them and looked at the wood to see if it was maple and mahogany and the neck was mahogany. And what I thought I saw was either poplar or basswood. And, uh, but either way, it wasn't maple or mahogany. Um, and I wanted to test it. And why? Because the guitar was like $180 delivered. I wanted to see if they were actually using those woods. What's interesting, what I found out since then, which what I thought was really interesting about that was, um, again, and again, I want to be a little harsh today because it's funny. So this is a little funny. I love all the, like I said, they call them, we used to call them shade tree mechanics because, you know, guys that work in cars under a shade tree. Uh, porch lawyers, shade tree mo- lawyers, you know, everybody thinks they're a lawyer. That video cracks me up. You know how many people put comments like, oh, what do you mean it's not mahogany maple? That's against the law. And I'm like, man, why do people just say random stupid things on the internet? You know, just typing things. Yeah, why wouldn't you Google it first? It's not against the law because every company uses the same get out of jail free car. They put somewhere on their website that, right? They say specifications can change at any time. <laughs> That's what they put. They put all kinds of terminology like that. There's always some kind of disclaimer like, uh, materials or you know specifications can change at any time so therefore they change and they don't have to notify you and that's what they're telling you but in this particular case what was interesting about that guitar was what i got told by two other companies that are both based in china they told me that they uh couldn't get maple from from Canada during COVID and they were getting hard to get Sapele. In fact, in other words, there was wood shortages everywhere. And so here's what they were telling me, these manufacturers. And actually, if I'm being accurate, I should actually say it's three manufacturers, but what's funny about them, they all said the same thing that because they're OE, they were OEMing, they were building for other companies, right? So official, um, official merchandise. So what's interesting about this was, was what they were saying was, is if the companies had any kind of verbiage like that, that the specifications are are subject to change at any time, they uh, they could um, send out what they, they would just make it out of whatever they had. So, and, but if they didn't, they would have to wait. So the guitars would just wait, you know what I mean? The part, they would, you know, wait to get the wood to build the guitars. So what I'm saying is, is what I got, what the story I got from them was that there's a lot of players out there right now, especially in the mid to low inexpensive price category where your guitars might not be the woods they normally are if they came from like the height of the COVID mess last year, right? What's interesting about that was, that's why I said that Firefly thing's not connected in that way. I don't know what happened. But what I do know is that the guys at Firefly did see that video because I know I sent it to them and they did respond. And all they responded was they liked the video. They said, oh, cool video. I don't know if they watched it because sometimes I wonder about companies when they say, oh, cool video. And I go, you're not going to address the fact that I said that your guitar is not made out of the woods that you said it was like no response to that. But it could have been as simple as that, that they're just making the guitars out of whatever they have now. So what's interesting is we might be seeing, you might be noticing if you look some of your guitars from last year to might not be out of the woods that they say they were because there was definitely shortages where, like they said, they said flat out they could not get maple. They could not get uh, cedar for acoustics out of Canada. They couldn't get anything out of Canada. Canada's locked down. Everything's locked down. And then they said the same thing. They couldn't get sapele, which is basically what a lot of people were using as mahogany. And they said, so at some point they just said, screw it. They got to use what they got. So they just used woods that they had. Whatever those woods were, they just started using them. So there you go. Very interesting uh, conversation, I should say. Um, okay, I'm looking to see. There's.
David says, as a lawyer, I can assure you that you're correct. Yeah. I, like I said, I think it's funny. It's, it's, and you know, and, and he's an attorney, so he'll tell you, look, e- even if you Google law, it's, it's under interpretation. And of course that's what lawyers are for. They're here to interpret the law and, uh, you know, they can, they can do stuff to, you know, it's an all an argument, so to speak. Right. Um, but, uh, but the point of this is that I always find funny is, is that people will post things like that, like, oh, this is the law. And, but I'm like, why didn't you even Google it? It came up right immediately that that's not true. <laughs> I didn't even have to go ask an attorney friend. I just literally Googled it. So, uh, there you go. Okay, hold on. I'm just looking at comments and I'm also... Misanthrope, Misanthrope PDX says, I'm really thinking about getting a Pedal Pal pedal. I think you should. They're out of stock right now. Um, and they don't like back orders. Luis and Alvaro, look, as you guys know, I, I'm very upfront when I'm friends with people like Lawrence, you know, uh, Robert Keeley, uh, Larry DiMarzio, uh, Luis and Alvaro. They're all friends. I mean, they're friends. We just talk. We don't even like, uh, you know, most of our conversations aren't even about YouTube or they're about their businesses. It's just, we just talk like guitar, like us right now. Hey, what guitar did you get this week? Well, what do you, you know, um, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think Luis and I talked uh, uh, a week ago and I think the main thing we talked about was he got a DSL 15 <laughs> Marshall head. So the point of this is, is I always tell you that I like their products and I like them. And the reason I like, I tend to like people, I tend to like people who have strong integrity and people with strong integrity tend to make good stuff because they're, one, they have integrity, but they're also detail-oriented. It's just a thing. Those pedals are really good. You know what I mean? They do their thing, and they do it really well. And I'm not shocked that they're always out of stock. What, but what I – and they don't even – look, they don't even uh, highlight this, but I should tell you guys this so you know. They make those pedals in Venezuela, but they're 100% – or I don't want to say 100%. That sounds, that sounds like too much of a push on them. Most of the, the pedal is USA parts. They get the cases. I think most of it comes out of Kentucky. So they get the cases, a lot, almost all the parts they get from the United States. So they get parts from the United States and they build them in Venezuela. And um, the reason I tell you is that's what's, that's what's hurting them is they're having trouble getting parts. So they got high orders and low, uh, low inventory of parts and they're putting pedals together as fast as they can. And he told me over and over again, he just does not want to do uh, back orders because he doesn't want to feel like he owes you guys something and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, uh, 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 you know, overpromise and under deliver. He doesn't want to tell you guys he can have it done. And so if he's telling, he took some pre-orders, I think he, you know, he did, he told me he was going to, he took some and then they, they sold out too fast and he wouldn't take any more because I think he said that was already hard enough that, you know, he could, he wanted to be able to guarantee those people got their pedals when they're supposed to. Fret Level Midnight says, oh, I don't think he's talking to me, but I just want to say it. He says the 87, he's talking about the LPD-87, is a thousand times better than the 5150 drive. It's really not even close. Well, they're totally different drive, uh, drives. So I just wanted to read it because, one, I like Lawrence and highlight his 87 drive. It's my one of my favorite drives. In fact, I can tell you right now, those are my two favorite high-gain drive pedals, the 5150 drive and the and the LPD-87 drive. Those are the two I used. They're just two different animals. The thing about the 5150 drive is you got to like the 5150 amp. That's as, that's as easy as it gets. If you if you like the high-gain, squishy, meshy stuff, then, yeah, it's great pedal for that. The noise gate on it is great, too. But the 87 sounds more like a... 
like an amp. I know that sounds weird, but it does. It sounds more like a, a aggressive, you know, kind of a raw amplifier and less like a pedal. Um, okay. Oh, Jim Simmons, uh, asked me if I saw the new head rush pedal for three ninety nine. I did. I was actually in the market. Uh, I, I'm not kidding for a gig board. I was looking at them and, um, I was thinking about, uh, <laughs> I told you guys I had a $109 gift card to Guitar Center left, and I was thinking about just putting it towards that and getting a gig board, but I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> I couldn't buy I can't buy anything else from Guitar Center new. It's just gonna make me it's just that it's just too much of a headache. So I thought, okay, I'll go on reverb and I looked at them, and then I thought, well, now that I'm looking at them, why don't I look at used ones? And then they made that announcement on that. And actually that screwed everything up. So uh to answer your question, I saw it. And I was probably going to have a gig board to show you guys. I wanted to take the gig board. I know a ton of people did this, but I was curious. You know, I take the gig board against my HX Stomp. Um, the reason is, is I keep, I keep hearing the gig boards aren't very good sounding wise from a lot of people. You know what I mean? And so I go, I, you know, that's why I want to ch- you know, check it out for myself. And um, long story short, then this came out. And now I'm like, I don't know, which way do I go? <laughs> I don't know. I like the price of the new one, but I don't want the wall. I don't want the expression control. So I'll have to think about it. I'll have to think about it. So I ended up uh, I ended up buying neither. But I promise you'll be the first to know if I get one. Uh, Luke, Luke Lukens says, hey, Phil, uh, love the show. Do you know anything about the uh, Mexi Fender Splatter series from 2003? I have a Splatter caster, but want the Splatter Tele, but cannot find one. So those are going to be probably FSR Fender Special runs, right? Uh, which are limited runs. Fender, they don't have to do it now because <laughs> the guitar market, but Fender has always done this thing. And I always thought it was smart. When the season is slow, which is the summertime, Fender releases a lot of limited edition stuff, and especially in the Made in Mexico series. So you see a lot of crazy stuff. Remember they did the, uh, the di- um, ooh, lose my voice. They did the dip guitars. Obviously, they do splatter guitars. They've done the, they did the uh, special graphics uh, guitars for artists. They do that stuff, and they usually do it in the summertime because the dealers aren't really selling a lot of guitars, so they're not really ordering a lot of guitars. And if you do something like that, the dealers will get them because limited runs, something exciting. So that's probably when they did that. Uh, probably 2003 was probably a limited special run. Um, it's easy to figure out if you have a special run guitar because you can go and get the, the, now it's all PDFs or whatever. You can get a PDF of every catalog pretty much from Fender or any major brand. So if you go to 2003 Fender catalog, look through the catalog. If that guitar is not in the catalog, it was a Fender special run. They usually won't put the special runs in the catalogs. Uh, they For short time, they had supplemental catalogs, like a little pamphlet-y you know, one, maybe four or five pages, and they would add those 
those, you know, or have smaller ones throughout the year. But then that, that was an expense and they got rid of that fast. And I definitely 2003 was around that time when they were like, hey, why do that? So everything that's special run, limited run. That's why I tell you guys all the time, a lot of times FSR stuff and your special run stuff, whether it's made in Mexico or the USA, eventually over time just seems like you have custom instruments because it's just they didn't do a lot of them. And like he like Luke's saying, he can't find the telly version of this because they're very hard to come by. Um, I just saw one of the splatter casters on GC used a couple weeks ago. It went pretty fast, but it wasn't a telly. So uh, the best way you can do is you got to go on Reverb, go on eBay, you know, put it in a search and and have it saved so it notifies you if anyone lists that stuff. But yeah, they're hard to come by because the thing is, is you got to understand they probably didn't make very many. That stuff they probably would make uh maybe a week or two or you know i don't know so you know i'm guessing this is just flat out guess i mean they could make two days run they can make a two-week run of that stuff sounds like a lot it's not you know what i mean it's just not so you know could be thousands of them but probably hundreds so be aware of that so yeah and that's why uh, you know guys should always see when you see fsr check that stuff out it's really cool uh let's see uh, oh, Ian, just, I know you're talking about, he's talking about the MX-5, which is the new headrest thing. He's saying it's also an interface. Yes, I saw that. I saw that was kind of cool. I don't need an interface, so That's but, you know, it is cool. Okay. Yeah, Daniel Dry says, I have an FSR... I don't know what this is. Mishif? Mishif Maker? Mishif Maker? Uh, which uh, hopefully they won't make too many runs of. My my experience with the FR stuff, FSR stuff is that it very rarely gets done a second run. Um, very rarely. And um, like I said, you'd think they'd go back to the well. You know what I mean? Like, hey, we did those splatter casters and go back to it. Or, hey, we did this and go back to it. Very rarely do you see them go back to those things and pull pull them back up. Uh, I don't know why, but right now you're not seeing very much FSR stuff. I haven't been seeing very much FSR stuff um, because they don't really need to. They got to stay focused on getting the stuff out that's being ordered by the dealers to worry about how to get the dealers to order more. The dealers are ordering enough. Uh, Landon says, Phil, do you know how many Fender manufacturers, wait, Fender manufacturers, wait, do you know how many Fender manufacturers in an FSR? I've heard like 250 sometimes. I have a limited edition Princeton with a 12-inch Alnico Blue. Just always wondered how limited it is. Yeah, see, that's the tough thing. So Fender Fender doesn't like to tell anybody. They would never even tell the dealers. You would just have no idea. Sometimes, so, and, and when I say that, I mean, sometimes the reps would tell you numbers, but even I've caught reps over the years. They... Like they'd be like, oh, we made two hundred, like you said, two fifty, and then a couple weeks later, you're talking to them like, oh, because if it doesn't sell through, they'll come back, and they go, well, you doing those six FSRs? You need any more? We're only, we're only making one hundred twenty of them. Like, oh yeah, that was two fifty, <laughs> right? Um, here's what I think. I I don't know uh, if they even have a set number, but so you know, I've heard the rumor you heard too. Two fifty seems to be really consistent, but I think, like I said, I think they have a it's not a number. It could, here's a theory. I don't think it's a number. It's a time. So in other words, like they'll run, you know, they run a line for a few days. Does it make sense? Or cause they, let's say they make, let's say they can make like that amp. Let's say that Princeton, they can make, you know, I don't know. I'm just making up numbers. Of course, let's say they make them 50 in a day normally. So what they'll do is for a day, they won't make any of the black ones or the normal ones. They'll make the FSR ones. So that's what I'm thinking they're doing. 
right? Because they're gunking up. Remember, if they're making that stuff, they're not making the other stuff. So I think that's why they do it that way. They're just like, okay, for this, for two days, we're going to make, t- you know, this. And it's, you know, and, it, and if, and, and then they get them out. But a lot of times they are throwing numbers, but I have no idea what the numbers are. So who knows? And sometimes this is true too. I've seen Fender do this. And a lot of companies do it way more than Fender. Fender, not so much. Fender's usually pretty good about, you know, calculating the market and then building to it. But a lot of times I'm sure they'll, they'll do what a lot of dealers do, which is they'll go to the, the NAM show and they'll take orders from dealers and then they'll see how much the interest is. You know what I mean? So they'll get pre-orders and then they'll go, oh, we got 500 pre-orders. We're going to make 250. So let's just make 500. Or we were going to make 500, but we only got 250. So let's make 250. So. Um, I, I missed the. I missed the person. I, I I jumped. I'm sorry, but I caught the comment. It said, "What's the best looper uh, with a battery for busking?" Um, I like the Boss uh, a looper. The uh, is it the LP one? Whatever the looper one. Um, there's a reason for that. Okay, first of all, that's if you don't have any kind of uh, lithium powered battery. I was going to grab one. I had one right here. I moved it. Um, but Boss pedals. Um, are really good on batteries. In other words, they take a lot of abuse. You can run a long time with that ba- uh, pedal on a battery. But if you don't want to use that Boss pedal with a battery, you can use any pedal. Just get a lithium battery. They they make all kinds of batteries. I have a Sanyo one. I have a Big Joe one. I mean, there's a ton of them. You can tons of them. You can just get them on Amazon. Just lithium batteries that they'll power stuff for days. You can that way you can plug anything you want to it. Especially for busking, sometimes it's nice to make a little rig where it's all powered off one battery. Okay. Hold on a second. RC1. Thank you. The RC1. I knew it was something one. It's the one I use uh I have a bunch of loopers, but uh I like the Ditto Mini and I like a lot of them, but I just go back to the the boss one. It works fine. Okay. And then. I have. I'm just reading real quick, guys. Buzz Wilson just did a super chat for said just supporting. Bradley said just dropping in to say hi and have a good weekend and get a beer or two on me. I'll do that. I had a, I don't know what it was, like a cu- cucumber mojito. <laughs> I had that this week. It was nice. We went out went out to dinner, me and my wife, and uh, and I uh, tried one of those. It was awesome. And uh, Blue Walking Bird says, hey, Phil, what are, you, what are the quality and sound differences between hand-wired, hand-wired and a circuit board, Gibson Les Pauls? Circuit board makes me nervous. Uh, love your work. I hate working on the circuit board stuff that Gibson uses. Look, but but that that's me. That's uh, me meaning that's the tech side of that. So what? You know, <laughs> I hate working on them. All right. Um, I used to just crap on them. I, you know what? I fell in the same trap. We all do. You know, I mean, you, that's one thing about nice about having a weekly show where you talk and I have to timestamp myself. I listen to myself sometimes and go, yeah, why did I say that? Or why do I think that way? And then I change as a person. Sometimes, like anybody who works on stuff, I like to crap on things I don't like to work on. But the reality is, sounds fine, works fine, it's efficient for Gibson. It's just that's not something I want to work on. So, to answer your question, I will tell you this: I have some Gibsons. 
I have a, uh, I have more Gibsons than any other brand of guitar. That's what I apparently buy the most of. Apparently. <laughs> um, I have no idea if any of them have circuit boards in them. I don't look. I didn't care. So that's what I'm basically trying to say is if I have a Gibson with a circuit board in it, I'm not going to look and then take it out if it's in there. Um, it's just if I want to change anything on the guitar, when you get the circuit board, you either got to find out how to manipulate the board or kind of add to the board or just sometimes you just yank that stuff out and just throw on regular potentiometers and call it a day and start over from scratch. But my point is uh, I wouldn't worry about it. There's nothing in it that's n- nothing. There's nothing in it that's different. I mean, some people, I've heard people say they're crappy and stuff, but I'm, I've never seen it working on them. Um, when I have to work on them, it's very rarely, in fact, never because they've crapped out. It's always just because somebody wants to swap a pickup or they want to swap something. And now I got to deal with that. And then a lot of times the boards just have clips for the pickups. So all I have to do is solder the new pickups to the, you know, and kind of solder them to the new clips and use the clip housings or yank everything out. But I try to stick, you know what I mean? I try to try to reduce the amount of work I can do. So, you know, depending on the customer, if they want, if a customer wants a pickup swap, I'd rather do a pickup swap for them than go yank all that stuff out and rewire it and charge them a rewire because to me, it's del- almost, well, it's more than double the price. To re- completely rewire a guitar, I charge twice as what I will charge to s- install two pickups. So, you know what I mean? If it, it doesn't hurt, I wouldn't recommend the customer do it even when it's in benefit to me financially to do so. That's what I'm saying. I've never told the customer like, oh, cut this crap out. We'll put it all new, the real stuff in. If they want to do it, I'll do it. But if they just say, I want to pick up swap, I'll just say, hey, look, there's the PC board stuff in there. It works fine. Do you want me to keep it? And sometimes they say, yeah. And sometimes they go, okay, well, what if I don't? And I go, okay, well, it's a rewire and the rewires double. And they're like, oh, mm. I think, I don't think anybody's ever took the deal <laughs> or the double. I think they always say, yeah, just do the pickups. Uh, Warren five says three pickup SG. Okay. Let's tiny sound out. Okay. Neck position, neck, middle, volume zero. Okay. Goes away when bridge turned on to zero, vice versa. Checking wire, switch problem. So he wants to know if that's a switch problem. Okay. This is tricky in what you're describing to me. There's a three pickup SG and here's the issue. In the neck position with the neck and middle, the volume is zero. Okay. So no volume. Then it goes away when the bridge is turned on. In other words, now you get volume. And and then zero vice versa. Checking wiring or switch. This is where I got to think about it because I got to think about what's in there and what it's all connected to. I mean, it, it's it, look, it immediately makes me think it's a switch problem, but it, it might not be. You know what I mean? It might be the volume pots and how they're connected. See, the thing I don't know in this, this is why I said these questions get a little tricky sometimes. What I don't know in your question was who had it before you? So are we talking about the stock stuff or did something, somebody do something to it before you got to it and now we're dealing with that problem? So if it was stock, I would say, yeah, you're probably looking at a switch problem, a defective switch or an issue where something's disconnected or something like that. If somebody had it before you, they could have jacked with the potentiometers and things aren't connected correctly. And so, and it's, 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 so, you know, this is why I'm saying this. I've seen this before when there's a lot of stuff going on a guitar and some people go in there, this is what they do. They go in there and they jack everything up and then they hodgepodge it back together the best they can and they sell the guitar off. Right. Um, and what they'll do 
is sometimes they'll invert a, a potentiometer, in other words, a volume pot, so that the pot, volume pot you think full forward is on because that's what it is, right? <laughs> and then uh, basically clockwise, right? So turn the thing clockwise all the way and you've got volume. But if they've switched the sides of that potentiometer, now all the way down is off. And the way that sometimes those volume pots overlap in a multi-pickup guitar like that is that they... You know what I mean? So you think all the volumes are on full and you should be getting sound, but really one of them's off. And if one of them's off, it's causing the problem. So that's what I'm saying. I, so that's what I'm giving you the answer is if, if it's Gibson and you got it straight from them and are the, you know, you're fine, check the switch. If you got it used, you need to go in and test each part. <laughs> and if, and if it was me, I wouldn't even test everything. I would just literally pull the schematic out and just go through everything again and just, and then, and just redo it real quickly. It's faster that way. For me, it is. For you, it might be faster to test stuff. Ben Joel says, fix or buy. <laughs> okay, I like this. Start. It's a great way to start a question. Fix or buy. Should you fix or buy it? What? says, I have a USA Brian Moore C90. Humbucker, single humbucker with Piazzo. Piazzo. No, Piazzo. Uh, MIDI was 5K new. <sighs> now the Piazzo's dead. MIDI dead. One pickup working. <laughs> It's 1K to fix it. Oh, why is it $1,000? Well, here's the here here here's the thing. If I ever wanted to ne- unsell you guys a, a a transducer pickup system, I have learned in my experiences with Parkers, uh, with Brian Moore guitars, with uh, Music Man's. They're the least, so I should not really put them in the. But they're barely in there. Uh, what else? PRSs, everything. Everything that has a transducer pickup eventually breaks. It's like that stuff is just d- designed obs- just to be obsolete failure. It just dies. So back to your problem. So um, so should you fix it for a thousand bucks? Well, this and, and then and then buy a PRS. Um, well, what you really need to ask yourself is, is it worth more fixed? I mean, it's 5,000 new. I don't know what they're going for used. And if you got one not working, I mean, you've seen this, man. Ben, you know that what, you know, you know what you're looking at. You're looking at putting up one of those reverb uh, sales that go, hey, Brian Moore, not working, <laughs> right? And, and then whatever price you put on it, you're going to get 500 offers below that. Because everybody is going to be like, because they're going to just assume whatever you're saying is wrong with it, there could be more wrong with it. They just want to score a deal. Anybody who's in the market, look, anyone who's in the market to buy a broken guitar like that is either going to buy it, fix it, and flip it. So now because they're doing that, it's about how cheap they can get it from you. Because most of the time, they just want to flip it. Um, You know what I mean? It happens. We all do it. Look, I I do it. I haven't done it in a while, but I do it. Uh, I'll Somebody will say something in a description on a guitar. I'm like, what? That's easy to fix. And then I'll buy it and I fix it. And then all of a sudden the guy get double my money. So, you know, they're out there. Some people fixate on doing that, you know, as an income stream. You know what I mean? I'll just do it because it's just blatantly in my face. And it just seems like I feel guilty. Like, why don't I just do that and make the money? So in your case, that's what you have to think about. Um, also, $1,000 to fix that. Uh sounds like a lot because it is not likely that as much there's a whole lot wrong with that guitar in dead pieces parts you know what i mean i think there's probably just wiring issues and stuff it's a tricky guitar man i was a brian moore dealer that was my one of my first things i opened the store with was brian moore 
And, but it was mostly the imports. That's when he was doing the import stuff. And I did it because I was like, oh, this would be unique. And, and that was my first lesson in retail of no one knows what you have. <laughs> I pulled in some really unique brands really early and on the store. And I did that later in the store. But what I learned opening the store right away was everybody says that I did the same logic. Everybody does like, I'm going to get a bunch of brands that no one's seen. And when they come in my store, it'll feel different. But what happened is because you pull in a brand, a bunch of brands, they don't know. They just think something's wrong with your store. So like I have Brian Moore and they're like, he has these weird, cheap car guitars. I've never heard of. And he wants crazy money for them. You know what I mean? Cause they just don't know what that brand is. So I learned, uh, you know, you kind of you had to pull in some more mainstay brands and kind of salt and pepper it, is like I say, you know, you can put some of the unique stuff in there with some of the stuff everybody knows. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is, but um, I think if you like the guitar, you should pay to have it fixed. I mean, obviously, you can't buy a, a unless you're buying an SE PRS. You're not going to buy a PRS for a thousand bucks. So you can get the guitar fixed for a thousand bucks, but that seems high to me. So that's the other thing too. I would definitely get a second opinion on that just because, Hey, it's just like anything else, like a mechanic. Anything else. If you go into shop and they give you a price, go to a different shop, see what they say. You get two prices the same. That tells you a lot. Uh, David says, is it possible to install a humbucker into a Donner telly? Sure. Of course. Uh, when I did the Donner telly, I think I pulled the one I did. I pulled the, the pick guard off and everything was routed so that you can put the humbucker in the neck uh, the bridge, probably not so much, but you could, you can route that out. Sure. It's very easy to do. DR, D dot R dot. So it's not doctor, it's DR. Question, just, uh, just jumped in. I'm not sure this was already talked about or brought up, but is there a concern simply, oh, is there a, con- is there a concern supply of wood due to some of the wildfires that are happening in, in, Okay. Because the whole world's on fire. Look, the whole world's either flooded or on fire, and in some cases, both. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I haven't heard anything specifically about wood supply being an issue because of fires, and I'm sure it's very possible. But not me. I haven't heard that. The issue I've heard with wood, magnets, all kinds of stuff with supply issues, uh, steel, um, is literally just... The high demand with a lower amount of production, manufacturers gobbling it up. It's, you know what I mean? It's not, I don't, I'm not hearing a lot of raw materials sort of access like that. Like there's no trees. It's just, there's nobody to go get the trees because they're just not working or they, there's no one, they got to fill the back orders. So that's what I've been hearing consistently when I'm talking to manufacturers is that that's what's, that's what's hurting with the wood supply and transportation. I, I mean, it's getting stuff shipped around the world. It's getting tricky. Still is tricky. Everybody's still playing catch up. As you guys know, I've been making pickups for the last year now, and and it's it's been a nightmare keeping that stuff in stock. I've been on it. Uh, you know what I mean? It's it's it's. I would never in a million years, uh, except for now, just during COVID, I would have never in a million years think that the majority of my time with with this would be sourcing supplies. That's where I spend most of my time sourcing supplies. And making sure I'm getting the right supplies. And so, you know, and fighting with suppliers because they keep sending me substandard, in my opinion, substandard parts. Like, I'm like, this is not what I ordered. And they go, well, we have this and it works. It's the same. They're like, everybody says the same thing to you. It's like everybody's got, they're just, they're just wired up. Oh, no, we get it from a different supplier, but it's the same. And I'm like, it doesn't look the same. It doesn't feel the same. I don't want it. And it goes back. So, and then I, but I don't have the parts then. So, but I've been on it. 
pretty good. Uh, I've been on I don't, I'm on most of the orders, no problem. Uh, Carl says, cheers, Phil. Fret Level Midnight has a question. He, okay, let me see if I can find it. Uh, let me find Fret Level Midnight. Let me find your question. I'm assuming it's, here it is. Here, okay. Uh, here it is. Uh, Fred Love of Midnight says, change bridge on a Harley Benton double cut Les Paul Jr. to a lighting, lightning bar, and now the string feels floppy. I don't like my strings the same way I don't like my bacon floppy. <laughs> Switches to 11s. Switch to 11s. Hmm, interesting. So so you, tra- you change the bridge, and now you're basically saying, and you're obviously using the same string, same tuning, and the tension seems, you say floppy, I'm going to say you look loose, right? That's basically what I'm going to say. Yeah, you could change the gauge of strings. That would fix that. I'm really, it's tough because we're going to use different words, right? Floppy, I'm thinking the strings have a sagging kind of feel. But yeah, what I notice is this, what a bridge really can do, I mean, really do to a guitar. It's changed the way bending strings feel, for sure. For sure. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago when we talked about hardtail versus tremolo strats and stuff like that. Uh, to me, tremolos versus non-tremolos, uh, uh, through bodies versus top mount, all that stuff, uh, you know, you got to tune the same tension to get the same pitch on the same gauge of string, but those all affect the way it feels when you bend. So sure, if it's bending, um, I, that's exactly how I fix everything when I'm dealing with my guitars. If I put uh, my 10s on a guitar and it feels a little loose or it feels a little tight, I switch down to 9s or I go up to 11s. It's not a problem. That's what I would do. It's an easy, cheap try fix. So in other words, pack of strings and you can try and see if it fixes the issue. Um, Christopher, and then we're going to end on this. Christopher's question is, Phil, uh, he says, uh, my Fender Superchamp XD lost most of its volume. I have to turn it half the way up to hear anything. Does it need new tubes? That could be a tube issue. Got to remember, the Superchamp's really has got three tubes, two power tubes and a preamp tube, but that preamp tube is essentially a, is a part of the power section. You know what I mean? It's not really part of the preamp section. Um, so it could be one of those tubes crapping out on you. That is real possible. I mean, obviously, one of the power tubes could be just gone. That's uh, that's possible. Um, so absolutely, that's where I would check first. Now, you got to understand there's digital technology in the amp. There's all kinds of things that could be going on with it also. But I like to follow with anything tube, whether it's hybrid like that or full tube. If, if it's got a tube in it, the tube is probably going to be the problem so change the tube so that's what i would recommend and then i know i said that's the last question but i got one i did yeah i did get one last super chat and then i want to hit it so for chris chris says phil uh thank god it's friday thank goodness it's friday tgif whichever way you want to say it uh some youtubers say the spark is too bassy all youtubers say it's too bassy chris no youtuber saying it's not bassy and if they are, that YouTuber doesn't have years. <laughs> now I've just started a fight. It's probably one of my friends is a YouTuber too. But it's okay. It's too bassy. Look, uh, I got uh, Ralph. Uh, my buddy Ralph got one. He got the Pearl. And I said, how do you like it? And he goes, oh, I love it. He goes, but it's too bassy. <laughs> it's too bassy. Okay. So it says, do you have an issue with that? Yeah, absolutely. You got to take all the bass out. It's like literally bass zero. Like the bass control is zero. Everything's zero. Bass. Uh, can you fix it with EQ? Yeah. Take the bass out. 
uh, ever use it as a bass amp? I have. Yeah, I, in fact, uh, use it as a bass amp probably as much as a guitar amp for sure. Uh, and I use it as a blue. Uh, look, my Spark, I use it probably, uh, seriously, in order as a Bluetooth speaker the most because <laughs> it's just on my phone and it's just right there. And, um, you know, there you go. And I have it on a power strip. Uh, so it's just basically when I'm in the room, the whole it's on. So I know it's on. So I'll just, you know, I'll just start playing music through it. Then after as a uh, Bluetooth speaker, I use it as a bass amp. And that's probably about 10% more than I use it as a guitar amp. Then I use it as a guitar amp. Absolutely. Works great. Um, great product. That's the only problem. It's, uh, it's, it's the speakers, it's the porting, it's the box design, it's the way they set it up. I don't know what it is. They just put too much damn bass in it. Um, I exported it out into a different cab and it got a little brighter and it didn't get as bassy. So I wanted to see it and it was, I actually thought it sounded better through a 12 inch speaker. I ran it through a 12 inch speaker cabinet. It sounded great. And then I kind of came with this idea that, cause it just mounts out, it's just a small module. And then it's all just a particle board, press board, box, you know, speaker box. Um, I thought about putting the module on a 112 cabinet I had and then making it a 112 combo. And then, uh, I started working on that and I was like, I had it in my mind. And then as I was doing, I go, would this be a good video? And then I'm like, why would this be a good video? And then I go, I'm not going to do it if it's not gonna be a video. Um, but I had to hook it up to see if it worked and it worked fine. But yes, that's it. It's, it's too basic. And why, I don't know if they're, why they're, I have not seen a firm update or anything that takes out all the bass but i could be wrong uh, but you just remove all the bass <laughs> it's just, just the end that's the only negative it's just the thing ironically uh i think the th the yamaha th uh d or whatever thr whatever their their con their competitor for the spark is i think that's a little bright to me sometimes so so you got to pick your poison. So I will tell you this. I almost kind of come to the conclusion if you don't like the Spark, you'll like the Yamaha. And if you don't like the Yamaha, you like the Spark. So I like the Yamaha. And then I wanted to get one, but then the Spark came by because they sent that out. And then I was like, oh, I love this. I'm going to use this. And then I felt like I was missing something. So I went and tried the Yamaha. And when I tried it, I thought it was a little too bright. And I didn't think that before. I think it's because I've been playing the Spark and it's so low indie sounding like i said so yeah that's it yeah that's that but every every i i have i i do i you can imagine uh i think i've told you guys this before we'll end on this note whenever i do any videos on stuff youtube because i do a video on it the algorithm doesn't understand for some reason the difference between watching a video and making a video on a pro on a product or a subject so if i do a video on a product or a subject YouTube now just feeds me other other YouTubers' videos on that same subject or product. So when I did the Spark, I saw a bunch of other, you know, because it's feeding me Spark videos. I watched a few, and I am i can't say I watched, you know, more than two or three, but the two or three I watched, the, the one thing they all said was, eh, it's really bassy, like I said in my video. I'm like, yep. And then all my friends say the same thing. It's a little bassy. So, so it's fine. And it's also probably bassy because it's got to be sitting, you know, it's going to sit on your desk. I would not put it on the floor. It'd probably be unusable. I like to have it on my desk height. So there you go. Um, and then a bunch of people are just commenting that they love their spark. Yeah, it's a great thing. It was a lot cooler when it was cheaper. It's kind of raising up in price and now it's, you know, it's a little pricey, but still, uh, still cool. I have, I have a, uh, I have another spark. I have the white pearl. It's downstairs. I have that and the pedal so you can foot switch it. Um, they asked me not spark. Another company asked me if I would do this video about the foot switch and stuff. And then, like, I think I guess I told you guys I was thinking about um, 
you know, doing the update and talking about what the update on the Spark is. So we'll see. We'll see how I do that and when I do that. It's, hopefully it'll be the end of next week. All right. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. Hope you guys have an amazing weekend and uh, play some guitar. And I'm going to do the same thing. So until next Friday, I'm just going to say thank you guys for your time. And until next Friday, know your gear.